got a fever. And the only prescription is smoking. Over the line! This. I'm sorry, Smokey. You were over the line. That's a problem. Is the cigar authority. Is it true that if you don't use it, you lose it? The authority. Is that a serious question? On everything cigar. No, it wasn't. Yeah. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. And out of the cigar industry. Sounds pretty awesome. With your host. You have to use so many cuss words. David Garofalo. Whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if they would, I do not do that thing. Mr. Jonathan. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. Barry Stunt. Have a scotch on the rocks. Any scotch will do, as long as it's not a blend, of course. Uh, a single malt. Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, perhaps. Maybe a Glengow. Any Glen. It's time to light them up. Sounds really fun. It's time. Cool. 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 For the Cigar Authority. I gotta have more cowbell. Light them up, light them up, light them up. Saturday, July 22nd, 2017, <laughs> broadcasting live from the La Flor Dominicana Cigar Soundstage. Today, back at home base at Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire. With us, just back from the IPCPR, dusting himself off, cooling himself down, Steve Saka from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Steve has a lot to say, and today I think <laughs> it might be even more, I think. Uh, I think it's going to be, may I say, a bitch session. Welcome, everybody, to the Cigar Authority. And you're listening to the Cigar Authority podcast, broadcasting over eight years and now the longest continually running cigar podcast, voted the ambassadors of cigars by Cigar Journal magazine, voted the top ten educational podcast by Podbean four years in a row, and now the most listened to cigar podcast in the world, Cigar Radio at its finest. The Cigar Authority is a proud member of the United Podcast Network. Catch the podcast on demand at any time or our daily blog on thecigarauthority.com. And joining us for this hour, and maybe the whole show, he's done it before, is the most... What, he's most been, appeared guest? Most appeared guest. Certainly said, the most revered guest. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly the heaviest guest. Is that possible? Yeah. It Trust is, me. yeah? Yeah. Just back from the IPCPR, <laughs> Steve Saka, what do you say? Well, the fact that you started off calling me a bitch, I'm not so sure I want to say anything. <laughs> no? All right. <laughs> well, I think you're going to say you're gonna say some wrong things. That <laughs> but not that you're the bitch. That <laughs> I've already talked to you on the phone, and you had a lot of negativity, a lot of complaining about oh. the trade show. And but I do that all the time. I complain negative about everything. I mean, so for me to Nothing do anything safe. different would be what? Yep, it would be. I mean, come on. Lying. I wouldn't recognize you if you, yeah, were, come if on. you were not complaining. It's, yeah. All right, so before we get started, let's, let's light it up. Uh, this is the Mikarida. Still, a year freaking later. Yeah. <laughs> Say it in English. Well, you could just put an English name on it and make it easy for us. You saw the El Wense went to the wise man. Did you notice that? Yeah, but now you can at least say it. Now, forgot. Can say now it. you can say yeah, it. I mean. It took me a year to learn it. <laughs> But anyway, uh, Barry, tell us about this. Well, from this month's Cigar Authority Care Package comes Mikaida from Steve Saka's Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. And Mikaida translates to my mistress. For many of us, cigars are the other woman. We take care of them with lavish gifts such as humidors and tend to them often, such as rotating, before ravishing, smoking them. It's covered in a rich-looking Connecticut broadleaf wrapper over Nicaraguan binders and fillers. This is a cigar to showcase and not keep hidden. But be careful, because others might get jealous of what you have. It's available in six sizes. Today we are smoking the Anko Logo, which measures 6 by 52 range in price from eight eighty nine to nine ninety nine. And how that's do you, it. How do you do, Steve? Pretty accurate? 
Yeah, pretty good. It's uh, Ancho Largo, not Anko Largo, but that's pretty close. And um, uh, what else? You're uh, such a bitch. It's yeah. not. It's not. A, it's not a. It's not a. It's not a rich-looking broadleaf wrapper. It's a rich broadleaf wrapper. <laughs> Doesn't just look rich. It is rich. And it is not for those that think it's a, it's a Medora when it's not a Medora. It is a Medora. It is a Medora. Absolutely, it's Connecticut broadleaf. Okay, so it is. It is Medora. Yes. Uh, all right, let's give it a cut and light. Uh, it's time to cut our cigar. The official cutting brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand. While all other brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. Excellence. I'm saving mine so I can resell it. So. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I'm already smoking something. Okay. Are you smoking something different? I'm smoking something different, yes. What a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> but if we were to say flavor components and stuff, you could tell us if we were wrong or if we were very wrong. Well, there's no how question we're going to be wrong. <laughs> but how can you be wrong? Flavor is a matter of personal yeah. perception. So you're absolutely right, aren't you? Well, with. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there's a little uh, hay component, some barnyard going on on the cold draw. A little sweetness. My cold draw reminds me of the powder on barbecued potato chips. And I'm going to say before you even light it, Now I haven't had your new, new one, and we'll talk about that later, but of the ones you already have on the market, this is my favorite one of all. And why is that? I don't know. Why is it? Because it's not overpowering to me. Yeah, oddly enough, it's probably stronger than Sobra Mesa. Really? But, but I think it's, um, I think just the characteristics of the tobacco, tobacco make it a little bit more approachable. It's got that Connecticut broadly tends to always smooth things out. Okay. But it's definitely a stronger blend than Sobra Mesa. Okay. I, yeah. I like it very much. Um, and we're going to light it with this big vertigo. Well, I figured if we're going to have the big man on the show again, yeah. we may as well go with a big lighter this time. Uh, we got the Vertigo Intimidator. This features four jets, a color-changing flame, an adjustable neck, depending on what situation you're in. Yeah. You could uh, make creme brulee with this, as yeah. uh, Steve pointed out. Easy adjustment at the bottom, and it does feature the patented Vertigo big-ass tank, all for twenty-four ninety-nine. This is a table lighter, I would say. You it's a carry. giant lighter. Yeah. How, how much does it cost? Twenty-four ninety-nine. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a lot of light. Does it last longer than a day? Yes, it does. Yes. Yeah. The uh, color changing, I've noticed they, they uh, obviously the, those little flanges will eventually burn out, but... Right. I have one that's over a year old, and it still changes color. Uh, can't beat that for 24 bucks. No. Yeah, very nice. Okay, so uh, you want some stats with the IPCPR? I have the stats. These are I have no stats. stats so okay, so right. the first thing everything is— I, Everything I have is incidental observation bullshit opinion. Okay, so uh, everybody was saying it. Attendance was down. And typically when the show is in the same place— the that was before the same state that it's in, it normally drops. I was on the IPCPR board for eight years. I've looked at it each time, and they, they shared the data of what happens, and we would always see that when we bounced it around back and forth year after year, you'd get people to say, oh, let's go to New Orleans, let's go to Florida, let's go to Vegas, and Vegas always being the most. And now it's been in Vegas uh, for a couple of years already, and it's going to be again next year. And this is the place that people would, 
overwhelmingly say just leave it in Vegas. Well, because the, it's it's less expensive for people that have to store booths because they can just store them right there. They're not paying the shipping. Storing and on shipping them. is incredibly yeah. expensive. Yes, and um, you know, there's things to do in Vegas. Uh, where sometimes you know, we were in Texas once and there was nothing around or something, there's things to do. But frankly, for me, handling the show by itself is enough to do. You know, I don't, I don't have time to go to a show. Definitely. Oh, no. Sure. Any, anybody that's an exhibitor, or is, it's almost impossible. I mean, it, it's a pretty grueling seven to nine days, depending on who you are. So uh, the stats, everybody thought that it was down. It was, I, I think it was expected to be down. You expected it to be down? Yeah, I think we all expected it yeah. to be down. So what did you think it was down? Um, I took a guesstimate of about 15% by my eyes. Very, very good. 14% down from last year. Last year, 1877 retail stores represented. This year, 1750. Now, so you understand that's 127 less stores. Two Guys Smoke Shop has three stores. We count as one store. Okay. So you get m st people with multiple stores. They all count as one store. So you have 1,750 retail companies that are there, and some of them have multiple. I would say the majority have single-store operations, but multiple. So you've got you to estimate more than 2,000 stores. It's 1,750. Oh, yeah. Easy. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about... 1750 with um, estimates around 4,000 tobacconists, real cigar stores okay. across the country. So we're, we're getting close to 50% of the people that sell I cigars. I find it surprising that you think there are 1,700 and some odd stores in attendance. I, 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 I wouldn't agree with that at face value, but obviously I don't have the stats. So, so I'm, I'm going with these stats from Mark Purcell. He's the CEO uh, of the IPCPR. Uh, I don't see why they would lie to me yeah. i'm not that i don't special. think they're i don't think they're lying yeah i just know for me personally i have about 300 retail accounts currently across the united states and of the 300 only approximately 150 of my retailers wow. actually came to the trade show and i have arguably some of the very best Better, accounts in imagine. the united states so for me the the of my existing accounts 50 percent chose not to come to the trade show this year that, that is amazing to me so you're not a cigar retailer, you're a manufacturer, but can you imagine being a cigar retailer, this is what you do for a living, not attending the only trade show? Um, yes and no. Um, listen, uh, you know, obviously the trade show has morphed over the years. You know, 20 odd years ago, you would go to the trade show and that's where you would genuinely learn about new products. You would see new things. Um, now we all go to the trade show already knowing what's new. That's a byproduct of first inexpensive print media, yeah. and now definitely social media, emails, yeah. texts, all of these other things. So everybody long knows what's new at the Not show. Not a lot of surprises, There's, right? there's basically yeah. almost zero surprises. Yeah. You're, it's very rare that you see something there that you weren't aware of before you walked in the door today. Um, the other thing, too, is you know over the years... Um, it's become less and less necessary to go to the trade show in order to get a summer deal from the manufacturers. Yeah, which is a complaint of the IPCPR all It's a the huge time. complaint. But we'll, what do you do? Well, we'll address that yeah. separately, but it is part of the reason why there are less people going. 
So that, that definitely has a significant impact on, on the numbers of the trade show. And we're also kind of in this general funk under the FDA right now. And that's kind of made a lot of, uh, it's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way <laughs> because some people don't think that the IPCPR and CRA are doing a good job fighting the, the legislation or the regulations. So you have that extra additional conflict. And then you also have just the morose of the situation. Um, we had a compounding effect this year that California it had an egregious tax increase that went into effect on July 1st, which meant for the Californians, they pretty much did the bulk of their buying the month, the four to six weeks prior to the trade show. So their attendance was down. Oddly enough for me, though, I actually saw most of my California accounts. They didn't, buy, that they didn't buy much at the trade show, but they were there, you know, in force for me. But I'm a small sampling of it. So, I mean, it's, uh, and, you know, and one of the things is, you know, for me, like, for, this is the third year in a row I've honored the IPCPR's request to not offer the deals prior to the trade show. And honestly, it's a huge mistake from a business perspective because retailers, um, they know that they're going to get the deal regardless. And many of the companies, particularly all the larger and mid-sized companies, all offer the deals approximately three weeks or prior to the trade show. And what ends up happening is they end up sucking up all of the dollars so that when you go to the trade show, the customers already have less money to spend. And the ones that don't go to the trade show, by the time you contact them after the show, they're already have pretty much spent their wad. Yeah. And it's a very, and I understand the IPCPR's point of view, but ultimately I think it's a very unrealistic ask by them because essentially what they're asking us as manufacturers to do is essentially sell no cigars the month before the trade show mm. because no retailer with half a brain is going to buy anything knowing that there's a deal coming. So what ultimately ends up happening is the month before the trade show is a, it's a wasteland. It's a it's desert a dry for month. sales. It's yep. a very dry month. And look, we're like every other company on the planet. We don't survive without cash coming in. Cash flow. So they're essentially asking us to close our doors for a whole month on the pretense that you're going to go to the trade show and you're going to get a tremendous amount of sales as a result of the trade show. A, maybe you can't even afford to wait a month. B, you're kind of just kind of doing it on a wing and a prayer that the people are going to show up. And with attendance being down year after year, well, that promise is ringing less and less true yeah. every single year. And I think it's, I think so for them to ask it, I understand why they ask it, but at the same time, it's an, a very unrealistic ask. I mean, it would be the same as me telling every retailer in the country, hey, close your store the month of June because you're going to get more customers in July. Right. And I don't think there's a single retailer in the country that would be willing to do that. No. Nope. So they, <laughs> they look at, you know, and here's a behind-the-scenes thing is, you know, here's all the complaints and the problems that have. So what do we do? Attendance is down. Why is attendance down? Just like you said that some of the retailers got oh. the deal – deals in advance well another so problem we... is how much it costs to attend the trade show as a retailer for you know for me as a manufacturer and i'm a small manufacturer and i have a relatively small booth but even for a little guy like me it's a 50 to 60k investment yeah. to have a trade show booth at the show i know for the typical retailer there's no way you're going to las vegas for four or five days between hotel airfare what it costs to eat in Vegas. I mean, a smoothie is 12 bucks for half a smoothie. So a yeah. smoothie is really $24 in Vegas. Um, it pretty much ends up costing three to $4,000 a person. So ultimately, that's a big expenditure for a small retailer too. So he also has to look at it from his point of view. Not only can he get the deal separate of going to the trade show, he also is saving anywhere from 
three to four K for one body and most have two or three bodies, that's 10 G's to show up at the show. It's getting to the point where it's cost prohibitive for them to even attend the show, even though they want to show up. You know what I mean? So the economics of the current situation is just untenable. Yeah. And it's been this way for at least the last decade. Okay. And as a result, the show has been slowly losing steam. Now, I think the IPCPR, in good faith, has tried to do a lot of things to bolster it. Yep. Okay, I mean, they've added great seminars. The seminars are very good. They've added speakers. I don't know about this year's speaker. He was a little weak, from my understanding. But um, did, You didn't you, see him? You didn't see it. I didn't see it. I'm only hearing All it right. secondhand. I, I saw it. Um, you, know, they've, you know, they've increased. You know, they've added raffles, and they've added entertainment events. And uh, this year, the opening gala was one of the best it's been in a long, long time. So, I mean, I think the IPCPR is genuinely trying to make it better. But I think the reality of the current marketplace Ultimately, the current approach is never going to work. Um, Can we move back to the speaker, or do we want to save that for a little later? No, I I want to talk to the speaker. First, I want to mention that California, one big thing was California got the big tax on July 1st. They weren't going to show up. Um, There were 50 less California retailers than there were the year before. Remember, we're only 127 less stores overall, 50 of them coming from California is is the uh, stats here one thing you didn't mention and you, you got through most of it was the change in date that could have affected it the change in date in venue and that was because they actually lost their date to another company and it had to be moved ahead and then people might have had plans weddings um, graduations things that were planned and that last minute change up uh, could have affected some of it oh absolutely yeah so and we want to try to figure out, uh, or the IPCPR wants to, wants to correct, obviously, what the problems are. And, and that's why they added things like, you know, learning sessions, which, you know, if you go to a trade show and you pick up a couple of things that help your overall business, you've more than paid for the, sh- the of show. Of course. Now, and, and let alone the deals and promotions. And, and there are some people to put one-day promotions or only at the show promotions and things like that over and above of what the, the stuff that hits, hits off on, on the, uh, that, that people hear. Um, possibly seeing a few new things maybe you didn't hear of, and, and it happened. I mean, there was a couple of things that, that might have been there. Um, and uh, to Barry's point here of um, the chatter of the speaker was not good i think the speaker actually was not good he was great i agree you have a speaker who is rudy giuliani who has the ear of the president and a big thing that's happening uh in the united states or in the in the cigar world overall is the politics that happen within um the cigar industry and we're overregulated. and here's a guy who has the ear of the president that was hired to actually be there we gave him money legally gave him money to actually speak to us. I don't care what he ended up saying. And I, I was there to hear what he said. What he said to us before we went on the trade show floor that day was, don't worry about anything. Sleep well. You're going to be okay. Which is a good thing before they go in and spend their money. Absolutely. You know, it was a little rah-rah session that, you know, did he end up saying, no, FDA is going to go away. I got this, 
you know, no, because he couldn't say that because he's not the one making the call, but he is the one actually with the air of the president. So that felt good that he ended up saying that. He told stories and different things like that, that political stuff, but he, he's Rudy Giuliani. He's the mayor of the United States as far as I'm concerned, and uh, it was great to have him there. Not just to have him there, but what that accomplished. Not only was there a speaker, but he he's doing stuff now. Let me now. tell you the flip side perspective yeah. to that. What the complaint that I've heard. Now, I obviously didn't get to see the speech, so this is all secondhand. Yeah. It's hairsay. Um, because I was on the show floor prepping for the opening of the show. Is that he didn't focus enough on the cigar industry and cigar smokers, and that a lot of his speech was really pretty much pro-Trump political, and that rubbed some people wrong. That's I my think, understanding. I think people are going to be rubbed wrong anyway, he laid it out, unless he came out and said FDA regulations are going away. Well, nobody's saying a lot that of, but out a lot loud. Of pe- nobody's saying that out loud, but yeah. a lot of people are going to be upset that that's what they didn't hear. And unfortunately, the political climate of the U.S. is it's us and them, depending on which side of the fence you are. But it's like he, a he coach pro, addressing a team. You, you guys are a team of retailers, and he's pumping up the team before the big game. So which just is so IPCPR. I understand, you three heard the speech, and you all were very happy with it. We, too, heard the, you speech. Heard the speech. Barry wasn't there. Oh, that's right. So, okay, well, that's good. I'm glad we're yeah, having a I conversation. Think, I think he probably moved the needle more than anybody else because anybody that was apprehensive about buying especially new product that they have yeah. to essentially wash through their store. But I think someone that's showing year. up at the trade show has already come to the, the, the reasonable calculation that this is a non-issue for the retailer at this point. I don't know, man. This, there was so much up in the air before he said that. I, I for one, was nervous going in. And I, I'm wondering what he's going to say. And when he ever said, we got this. The, yeah. the big, the you big thing is. shouldn't lose sleep over it, he said. The big Which thing is, is great because I have been losing sleep over it. <laughs> there's, still, <laughs> there's still people in the administration that are left over from the yes, very same which camp he mentioned. that put the, the draconian oh, regulations absolutely. over. And he, his big thing was, listen, you're not seeing all the movement that's going to happen because some of these people are well, still in place. that part is true. There's a lot of things that are occurring behind the scenes that are very, very positive on this fight. And, um, and regretfully for a lot of people, they're not aware of them, and they can't be made aware of them because to use a bullhorn on this would actually hurt the fight. Correct. Right. And he and, said that, and he yeah, explained I mean, that and to and the that, people. And that, and that part is true. I mean, so... I mean, I don't ultimately know where things are going to shake out, but this is probably the first time in three years that I'm hopefully optimistic, me which too. is a lot for me. Yeah. That's a lot for you. That's I mean, that lot. tells yeah. me that this thing's a lock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you're starting to look at it like it's half full, it's going. And I, and I think that the majority of people that listened to that yeah. before they went to that show actually felt a little better and maybe spent a little more and felt a little better about the, our, our industry. Is going I, to, is going I to have to not think that's the case. I have to think that a good businessman knows what he's going into spending and he's going to spend what he's going to spend. Did you open new accounts? Oh, yeah. I opened not a lot, maybe 30 or so, 34. I don't know. I don't know the exact number. I'd have to ask Cindy. So before the show happened, the, the IPCPR sent a questionnaire out to retailers asking them what FDA has already done to their business. And they did an ABC. Uh, how has it affected you as a retailer because of FDA? Has it A, uh, having them not open another store, B, have them hire less people, or C, buy less product? Now, before you give the answer, yeah. what's your answer? It would, it would be C. For you? Yes. Buy less product. Only a brand new product that I don't think is 
might not have legs. I'm not sure. You're talking about things that, you know, if, if I categorize it, I'd say it's got a 50-50 chance. Maybe I'll give it a shot. I absolutely wouldn't give it a shot right now because in 2018, I have to get rid of it. But, but is that the perspective of it being FDA, or is that the perspective of you just saying, hey, I've burned through so many boutique brands over the last 10 years that I'm tired of buying stuff he's all that about, ultimately he's doesn't all about sell. boutique brands. Yeah, I'm a geek. I want to try everything, and, and I've gone through thousands and thousands And what I don't understand years. is what are you buying in quantity that you think you're going to be stuck with two years from now, for gosh sakes? I mean, in reality... Because I really give it a fair share, and being on... Every single end of the cigar industry, and I've been in the booth part of the cigar industry also trying to sell. I'm just amazed when somebody comes up and says, you know what, I'll give me a box of Robustos or give me a, a box of Robustos and a box of Toros. And that's what they buy. And that's of a wasted purchase. Don't not, even do it. You've got yeah. no shot. So right. you need three or four facings. I'd say you need four facings okay. of something. So you need and four, you better go deep. So you need four facings. But in reality, you need four facings and maybe one to show and one to go. That's a minimum. box okay. purchase. So that's the minimum, so right? So that's not like some big commitment of a no. lifetime. I so mean, that's eight boxes I mean, per store. i got three stores and a mail order company, so that's four. Okay. So I'm going a little deeper, right? You're going a little deeper, but I'm saying per location – I don't think an eight-box commitment is something you have to worry about. Will I have it stuck on my shelf two years from now? No, well, but if you buy 30 32. new brands, you're going to have. That's 32. And how many new ones am I going to go through? Say I go through 10, it's 320 new boxes of cigars, and I have till 2018 to get rid of it. You're, you're asking me, what, what do I think? And I had to answer this myself, so, and I answered C. But that's by, you're, that's by less product. Does that mean you spent less money at the trade no. show? You spent the same amount of money. Yeah. But you just took on less new product. Yeah. And, and so what, what do you think that the, the retailer said? How did they answer that? Overwhelmingly. What are my three choices again? Uh, not open a new store, hire less, or buy less product. Probably the buy less product. Buy less product. 87% yeah. of the people buy less product. I mean, that's astronomical. 87% Huge. ended up doing that. May as well be 100 Okay, so square footage of the IPCPR was down slightly. Only 19 less boot spaces. 19. Did you notice the aisles was, were thinner? Yeah, I like the layout of the yeah. show. I, I tell you, for walking it, it was a lot easier. It was a little bit uh, wonky because of the way some of the aisles went. Yeah. And I know some retailers complained about it because it made it more difficult for them to navigate to make sure they hit everybody. Yeah. But and, and overall, also, I thought it was a much more uh, walker-friendly show than the And it also ones. created some interruptions where the aisles didn't go all the way through, so you, you had to run into certain boots. I'll give you another perspective that was positive. I, I actually liked dealing with the Las Vegas Convention Center better than the Sands Convention Center. Uh, the, the staff there was much more professional. They were much more Johnny on the spot. I mean, it cost more. It was about 20% higher um, because, to because exhibit that, at that, that, that would, venue. You know, but they were much more efficient. They were much better. Everything, you know, the electrical guys, better? the carpeting guys. <laughs> yeah. You know what? 20%. Maybe maybe there were because at the Sands, I found myself doling out $100 bills to get anything done. Yeah. Where, honestly, the only tips I gave at the Las Vegas at the convention center there were because people genuinely were doing a good job yeah. versus me bribing them to get them to do their darn job. You know, it's so. disgusting. I mean, <laughs> the price is, you know, you're talking $60,000 for, and you don't, you, how many boot spaces? You don't have all that I have many. six. Yeah. But I mean, electrical for a 15 amp circuit for four days is like $2,400. Um, the carpet is about $4,800 for me. 
you know, uh, it's it's it, it's really they wanted for they gave me a quote for 20 feet of black drape that was twenty eight hundred dollars. If I wanted twenty eight hundred twenty feet of black drape hung on a pole, so I mean it was it's the prices are pretty crazy. <laughs> Bring your own black drape next time and then save yourself a couple grand. Okay. Well, that ding ding means it's time for the matchup of the week brought to you by VS. VS means versus, but it stands for Victor Sinclair. Victor Sinclair cigars. Who would win this hypothetical battle? And uh, I was tempted to go with this, but I can't because that, I, I'm going to go with it. He's here. It's controversial. Dominican versus Nicaraguan cigars. <laughs> Is that even a question? Yeah, it's a question. <laughs> it's a question, so I know your answer to it. Well, actually, no. My, my, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna straddle this one. Okay. I like Nicaraguan tobacco better than Dominican tobacco, so therefore, there are a lot of Dominican cigars that I like a lot that use a lot of Nicaraguan tobacco. So for me, it's more a tobacco question than a cigar country of but origin manufacturer. obviously the most Nicaraguan cigars are made in Nicaragua, so they're not exported. I know Davidoff makes a Nicaraguan. Right, in, I, like, in like in the Davidoff portfolio, I much more personally prefer their Nicaraguan tobacco offerings than their traditional Dominican offerings. I much more prefer some of Lito Gomez's stronger, heavier stuff than some of his earlier But you know, even though his heavier styles. stuff is Dominican, all Dominican. Is it? Yeah. Really? I don't think he uses any Nicaraguan, does he, Barry? A couple of his lines have some, but the majority yeah. of them are Dominican filler yeah. binder. Yep. Well, there you go. And my argument only going towards Dominican is, obviously, the consumer chooses Dominican. Well, not by the current stats. I mean, Nicaragua has been quickly catching up. Catching up. Still at an exponential rate. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is the Dominican numbers are a little bit skewed because the Dominican numbers include a lot of very small cigars, that are machine-made and put into tins. I think they roll out the small cigars still. Uh, they don't roll them all out. Yeah. I enjoy the history of the Dominican Republic, but I find myself smoking more Nicaraguan than anything else. It's Mr. tough Jay? for me because there are, some, there are now some great, mild Nicaraguan cigars, but... Because typically, Nicaraguan cigars would always go to the full-of-body palate, and most people smoke milder cigars. And I like milder stuff, so I'm going to still, even though Nicaragua's catching up, I'm going to still say it's Dominican for me. And it is still Dominican uh, because it is. That's because. <laughs> Why ask if you're not going to take a vote? You can't just. <laughs> no, because. I'm the king sayer, so I'm going to say it's the Dominican. I, I, ha I have the stats, and it's Dominican. Yeah, it's, but you have countries like, you have companies like General Altidus, Davidoff, Fuente. It's almost All there. being in the Dominican Republic. Whereas in Nicaragua, you have what? You have Drew Estate, you have Perdomo, uh, Papin Garcia, Papin, you know, Padron. Padron, but, but none of those companies other than Drew Estate are producing anywhere near the number of units. And it's only that, been about 35 years because I mean, there was an embargo against Nicaragua. And really, for, it hasn't been 35 years. It's only really been since about 1999, 98. I mean, in 94, 95, you started to see some more Nicaraguan production. But it really didn't start to kick in yeah. until 99, 2000. So it's really only been two decades compared to the others. Yeah, it's coming fast. There's no doubt about it. And, you, and you're seeing more of the other players actually starting to uh, build farms and stuff down there. So you're going to see more of that. Okay, we're going to take a break. This is going fast. We've got so much to get to. Um, when we come back, uh, one thing... Uh, 
that I didn't think we could complain about was the food, the drink, the camaraderie at IPCPR. We'll find out what was on the menu. And uh, we're going to talk about the 2018 firecracker and who's going to make it. Uh, we'll ask our listeners uh, who should make We asked our listeners who should make it, and Saka came out ahead and agreed to do it. Uh, we'll talk to him and see if we can get the, uh, the prices and the uh, blend and all that when we return. <laughs> You're listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Walking in, you're greeted with the aroma of friendship. You move to the humidor and reach into the hallmark molded steel box, retrieving the only cigar worthy of such elegant protection. Your cut is meticulous. The light, easy and full. Your taste buds are immediately inundated with a barrage of wood and rare spice flavors, all finished with a trademark plume of smoke. Moscow City Series from Hammer and Sickle. Live well. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the Silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper. Fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lighting up the diamond crown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium diamond crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or diamond crown lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman's Garco or visit diamondcrown.com. I want to talk to you today about my friend Glenn Case from Christoph Cigars. I've known him for many years. Glenn is a very nice guy, one of the nicest guys in the industry. Always friendly, always happy. So when I heard his brand Christoph was pissed off, I was surprised. Christoph Cigars have always been known as smooth and rich, and the pissed off Christoph is just that. But there's something else happening here. A natural San Andreas wrapper, the binder, Indonesian, and the filler, Nicaraguan. And like Glenn Case, the cigar starts off sweet, but then it gets pissed off. And like Bruce Banner, you don't want to piss off Glenn Case about Kristoff cigars. Or do you? Expect some spins and a nicotine kick. Strap yourself in for a ride. Pissed off Kristoff is deceivingly strong. You've been warned. Sold in 10-count boxes, four sizes including Churchill, 6x60, Robusto, and Corona Gorda. The hottest new brand is the pissed-off Kristoff. Take it for a ride. Since 1964, Padron Cigars have had the same mission. With over 50 years spent to create a perfect cigar, and more than 100 years to create a perfect legacy, the Padron family understands the significance of time. Padron delivers only the finest handmade complex cigars with the flavor of the Cuban heritage, out of which the Padron recipe was born. The Padron mission is simple, exceptional quality of their cigars and not the quantity produced as a vertically integrated family-owned company. 
personal attention to every detail is taken in all steps of the tobacco growing and cigar making process. Padrón Cigars, they give you, the cigar smoker, the confidence that each cigar is the same. Perfect. Padrón Cigars, handcrafted since 1964. I want to tell you about my friend Hochi Blanco, a fourth-generation Dominican cigar maker known for growing tobacco and producing highly acclaimed cigars for other people. If some things stay the same, other things have to change. Finally, Hochi's factory, Tobacalera Palmer, has produced a cigar that not only belongs to the factory, but pays homage to the cigar rolling room known as La Galera. The La Galera Connecticut blend is special, using an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper surrounding a Dominican blend of Piloto Cubano, Criollo 98, and a varietal that Hochi named T112. With the exception of the wrapper, Hochi grows all of the La Galera tobaccos himself and carefully watches over every step. The flavor, smooth, but still offering plenty of flavor in all sizes, paying homage to the people and tools used in the factory. Now for the amazing pot. La Galera, Connecticut has a suggested retail price ranging from $4.95 to $6 and has been awarded the Cigar of the Year by the Cigar Authority. La Galera, Connecticut, creating their own version of the Connecticut cigar because they demand more. This is Mr. Jonathan Carney with La Florida Minicana Cigars, and you're listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. Stop this and we are back live from the La Florida Dominicana Cigar Sound Stage, located today at Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire. Good to be back from the IPCPR, and we're smoking the Micarita. A lot of people were asking if uh, we got hit with a substantial fine. We did not. And we were able to avoid that somehow. So, Smoking in the room. Did you smoke in your hotel room? Are you kidding me? No. No. We, did. we didn't just smoke, Steve. We smoked, we smoked that one cigar room each. Out. That was it. One cigar each. But um, the hotel we stayed at, the rooms were small. It was bad. It was. It was you can't smoke everywhere in Las Vegas. Although you can smoke. Uh, Where did you guys stay? The SLS. Yeah, I went over there for dinner one night. I, I won't go back. Yeah. What hotel did you stay at? I stayed at the Encore. That was the place. That was the place to go. That's where I'll be next year. Um, I heard that the host hotel was really bad. Yeah, but, you know, that's one of the complaints about the show that I just can't agree with because, I mean, you're getting a room for 79 right. bucks a night. What did you think? I mean, what do you expect? You go stay at a Marriott Courtyard, it's 120 to $200 anywhere in the country in Bumpuck, nowhere. Yeah. So now you're in a hotel room in Las Vegas and it's 79 bucks a night. What do you think you're getting for $79? The smoothie costs 24 so, I mean, come on. Right. He makes a good argument. <laughs> so, we, we have 19 less booth spaces, and uh, what was missing, uh, a lot of the hookah and things like that, um, the 10 by 10 boots, the, the single guys that just took one booth, those were down by 40%. The small companies obviously suffering. They can't afford to, to do a show like that. Press. The press last year was 50 badges that went out to press. This year, six. No. I saw way more than yeah, that. So did I. But there's only six that went, six companies that went in and uh, as had media, official as media, media badges. As media badges. And I'll tell you, for Because there for were a one, ton of them there. there. There was us that didn't go as media. 
because we went as a manufacturer and we went as a retailer. I need three badges hanging around my neck. I, I didn't need it, uh, right. so I didn't. Uh, but See, for me, that's actually one of the pluses of the annual trade show is the media exposure. Absolutely. So I, I'll tell you, the, and I didn't even know who Barry Stein was, but while I was sitting on the board, Barry contacted me and said, fight for us to try to get um, the media to be able to be allowed there. And uh, back in those days, media was there, but they weren't allowed to be there, and they were escorted out, and all kinds of things happened. And I fought to make that happen, and it did happen, and I think it was a major plus because oh, it's absolutely what, a plus. what better than to get the word out, right? That's no. what everybody wants. Yeah, it's, like I said, for me, it's one of the best parts of the trade show. So let's look at the value compared to other shows. Uh, for retailers, the membership is $450. That's how much a retailer pays to be a member of the IPCPR, and it includes a free trade show. It's not $450 to go to the trade show. It's $450 to be a member of IPCPR and have them fight for legislation and everything that they do. Uh, for that, you get a free trade show. At the free trade show, the IPCPR spent $330 per store on average for everyone that was at that show. That, that $330 is the opening reception, the breakfasts, three lunches per person for the speakers, for the educational seminars, the networking, everything that goes along with it. So for a retailer, I don't think you have anything to complain about. You paid $450, and of that, they gave it $330 back. I mean, this is... But there's a separate issue. The separate issue is you want to be a member of the IPCPR because it's part of being the e in the ecosystem of cigars, supporting the industry. Correct. So it's just simply the right thing to do. So but in addition to that, you end up with an awful lot of benefits. Of course you for do. It. And like I said before, I think that the people that are running the IPCPR are really making a genuinely good faith effort to make it as successful as possible. I think the problem for them is the deck is just simply stacked against them and that it's almost an unsolvable problem in the current scenario, in the current economic climate. This interview went way different than I thought. I thought there was going to be a lot of push-pull here, so I got my stats together. But you understand you're a smart guy. You understand every, the benefits to IPCPR. I want the show to be successful. I want, yeah, I'm, I'm not anti-IPCPR at all. I, I want it to be better because it's, when it's good, it's good for everybody. It's good for the retailers. It's good for the manufacturers. And ultimately, it's good for the consumers, too. Absolutely. So, I mean, there is a huge value in the IPCPR being successful. The question is, how do we make it more successful? What can we Correct. do to turn around the current trend of shrinking attendance? What can we do to get rid of this problem of, you know, the, the manufacturers being their backs against the wall cash flow wise? What can we do to make it more economical for the retailers to attend? These are the questions that have to be have to be addressed. That's, but the, the concept of the IPCPR is bad and the trade show is bad is not, it's not even in the realm of discussion. The question is what can actually be done to make it better? And I don't know that the current giant one annual trade show is the right approach given the current landscape of the, of so, the world. So j just to take it, the argument's stance on that, if one trade show is having a tough time Doing multiple trade shows would be... Yeah, this is, this is an idea that I've been floating. I'm floating the concept of doing multiple small shows in four or five good located regional areas around the country that would allow for the retailers to drive in and also to scrap the giant booth 
concept mm. and to do it in a ballroom at a large hotel where the retailers would come in on one night, we'd have a cocktail party, the second day would all be just nothing but seminars, and then the third day would be just simply mini trade show at a table much like this. Like TAA. Kind of like the TAA. And ultimately, I think that this can end up not only being revenue neutral for the IPCPR, but they could actually make more money because I don't believe they get a very big cut of all the money that I spend for the convention services, and the convention services are incredibly expensive. Boy, well, Boy don't you, they. You basically take the uh, union factor almost out of it because... Right. They get no drudge money. They get zero. They get none of the drage. None. And like for me, drage, literally because of where my booth was located this year, I was literally not more than 50 feet from the load-in door, and the load -in, oh, from the load-in door to my booth was almost $5,000 to move my stuff 50 feet. Yeah, it's obscene. So, you know, to me, and, and the fact that the IPCPR isn't even getting a cut of that, but yet I'm having to expend that money, it's counterproductive. So I, I think, look, I, I just believe that if you did five shows, something in the New England area, New York, New Jersey, something in the Midwest around Chicago, something in the Southeast around Atlanta, something in Texas, maybe Dallas, something out West, maybe it'd be Phoenix, that you do these small shows, you stretch them out over a six-week period. They only last three days. The manufacturers don't have to bring 20 people because for each one they would only need three. A couple yeah. pop-up displays. I think that it becomes a much simpler thing to do, and it will then end up attracting a lot more people because most retailers will be able to drive in. And they won't be paying Las Vegas prices. Yeah. Now, the question is, okay, can we smoke at these locations? I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can't. But it isn't as big a deal if it's a buying-only thing, if there's outside areas where we can smoke. If you're not trying to accommodate 4,000 people at a time, you're only trying to accommodate 800 to 1,000. I think that there is a way where it could make sense for the retailer could make sense for the there'd IPCPR, make sense more for options. the manufacturer, and then maybe go to having the big annual trade show once every two years or once every three years where we all collectively come together in one location. Interesting. I, I, I think that that's a scenario that might in the long term actually better behoove all the parties involved and make the IPCPR stronger. But ultimately, I don't have access to the figures you have. I don't know what the real costs are. I don't know whether it's economically feasible, but at face value, it seems like something that's worthy of at least consideration because we know the current model year, year after year seems to be slowly becoming more expensive with less yeah. attendance. They're, they're trying everything they can. So, for instance, it is the lowest cost even to the manufacturer of what the IPCPR charges than anything that's out there. Take the average cost of the U.S. of a trade show is $30 per, per square foot to a manufacturer. The IPCPR is 15 per square foot. I don't it's know. A, is that true? It, again, unless they're lying to me, this is the facts. How are you figuring me. that number? This is what they told me. The average but U.S. That's trade show. The number. I didn't figure anything. These are numbers that they gave me. They said it's 30 is the average. 15 right. per square foot is what they're charging at IPCPI. Okay, TPE, maybe for instance, that's not counting. Yeah, okay, so what? So let's take TPE. It's $24 a square foot. Um, National Association See, for of me, I'm gonna go, 40 I have 600 square feet. Okay. So Times by 50. my math, that comes out to be like $2,000 a square foot in the end. 
But that's if counting spending, in. You're well, that's, paying people to bring your stuff in. You're paying. That's what I'm saying. You're paying people. Look, I'm not, that other I'm stuff not, is is on. IPCPR is a non-profit organization. Like that wasn't real money. I mean, but come it, on. In the end, the total cost is the total cost. This is the Steve Sock I was <laughs> so hoping I mean, would show you up. Can't, you can't tell me that. Oh, because they charge me less for the physical booth space, and I'm not. That's arguing, IPCPR. Right, okay. And you want to argue with, 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 with the, the union? The booth space costs aren't the issue. The paying the two thousand dollars. For each ten by ten spot, the rent tw- is not the that's issue. Right. No, the issue is what it costs to do the entire trade show, and that's and because the number of, Las of Vegas. retailers you get to show it to. That's because of Las Vegas. No, it's not just Las Vegas. It's doing any large scale trade show. Correct, and and that is true too. So, so I mean, look, look at what we're against. We're against. We we need a large space, so there's not many choices there. We want to smoke in there, which cuts it down even more. There's only a handful of places. Of that course, there's very us. few. So your way ends up working because now I don't know that it works. I honestly don't. Why it's an can't? idea, but it needs research. I just know that what we currently do is this problem is not going away. Like a lot of like. Obviously, I have a little bit of an insight with a lot of companies. A lot of companies claim that they did better at the trade show this year than any other year. That's, a, that's not true. Yeah. Okay? That's a little <laughs> bit of a fallacy. Number one, I'm in an industry of peacocks and liars. So everybody tells no. tales to yeah. begin with because nobody wants to appear weak. But ultimately, the other thing, too, is they're now adding the numbers of what they sold prior to the trade show on the trade show deal, and they're adding the post-trade show numbers, and they're adding it all together. But the actual orders that are physically written at the trade show for most companies is probably not growing. The only companies that are probably doing better in the trade show environment are ones like my own that are relatively small to mid-size who are still growing their base. They have products that are selling at an exponentially higher rate every year. So for a guy like me, I did better this trade show than I did the previous trade show. But I'm not satisfied because, honestly, looking at my sales numbers, I should have done at least 150% more than I did the previous year. But I couldn't because I know that 140, 150 of my guys did not show up. And I know that I made a mistake by not offering them the deal before the trade show because they spent a lot of their money with the companies that did offer it before the trade show. But you did get 30 new accounts you wouldn't have got. Absolutely. I'm not, like I said, yeah. I am not anti-trade show. I want the trade show. I just want it to be cost-effective and beneficial for everybody, period. You don't think that somebody like uh, the Perdomos of the world or General or Altadis actually had better shows? I don't think that they physically had a better show in the building. I think cumulatively they're having the same type of year that the industry overall is having. But at the same time, it's obvious to me when... Look, how much less investment is General putting into the show? How much less investment is Drew Estate putting into the show? How much less investment is Davidoff putting into the show? You, you know. They're not putting less money in doing all the ancillary events and the fancy displays if they were doing better at the show. They're making the economic business decision that the value of the show itself is getting smaller and smaller, so therefore we have to invest less capital, particularly for the show. And as they trim back their budgets for the show, ultimately it's going to cause a cascading effect where there'll be even less reason for retailers to go to the trade show. So there has to be a solution, in my opinion, that is going to fix this and change the course. Because I really believe that the IPCPR has done everything they possibly can do to try to make the show successful in the current format. Okay, so next year, it's 360 days from now. It's going to happen. It's at the same place at the same time of year. What can they do just for next year? There's nothing that can be done. I, I don't think there's any significant change you can make between now and then. 
do you think that consolidation of companies helped or hurt those larger companies that went in and bought people? Well, obviously, whenever you have consolidation, it has both positives and negatives. I mean, the thing is, for the small guys at the trade show, what they're hoping is they're hoping that there's going to be a ton of customers there because they're hoping to grab maybe just one out of 50 of them to actually buy something from them, look in their booths. For the big guys, the big guys write everybody that's physically there. Yep. You're general. You're writing an order for every single attendee that's there. And if you didn't write them there, you wrote them two weeks earlier. So you're not ending up getting, I mean, how many new customers walk into general? The only people that walk in are people that have new cigar stores. Yeah. They're the only ones that walk in. So that's why I feel as though the current, the current format kind of benefits more the Steve Sockas and the Skip Martins and the, you know, the Nick Malillos of the world. I think it probably works to the best for us. I don't think it works the best for the very largest, and I don't think it works the best for the very smallest. I know it doesn't work for the very smallest because every year, you know, the average is one and a half years of a new guy that showed up at the trade show. He averages one and a half years, and he's out. He didn't make it, and certainly there's a lot of reasons for it. That can't be your only way is say, let me go to the show, and it's going to magically happen, and you need boots on the ground, and you are a perfect example of it that you – you know, drove to Texas and back. Right. I mean, it's a lot of work. I think work. every small retailer, I mean, every small manufacturer, they have no choice. Because even if you have just a little 10 by 10 and a table like this, you ultimately, there's no way you're doing the trade show for less than 12 Gs, 12 to 14,000, 15,000. Right. It's just, it's physically impossible to do it. And but when it's, you it's a good investment to do the trade show for fifteen thousand, wouldn't you say? Where else? You, what do you else can you do with fifteen thousand dollars? It's going to get you more than that. That's quite the commercial. Whereas I would make the argument that a smaller regional format would allow that guy to spend far less and go to two regions, because the truth is he doesn't have the sales force or the wherewithal to cover nationally, anyways. Right. So for him to focus on establishing his brand in the Midwest first or establishing his brand in the Southeast first would actually behoove him also. Would it moving time-wise, moving it to the springtime but here's the problem. be you more beneficial? Yeah, it would be, but you can't because you're looking for this giant Class A venue that's going to allow you to smoke. So, again, that goes back into the argument of when you're trying to get 4,000 people in one place that are going to be allowed to smoke cigars, it becomes an almost unnegotiable deal. There's so few places that you can go in the country. And that's why, again, I think that going into the smaller breakup format would allow you then to change it. And there's other issues involved with this, too. There's some overlap between the TAA and the IPCPR, which compounds the problem. I mean, one of the most disconcerting things that I'm hearing is I'm hearing TAA members, who are arguably the very best of the retailers in our industry on many levels, actually saying, I don't really know why I'm doing this anymore. Uh, I might as well just go to the TAA. And that's a very bad sign when you have those members questioning the validity of whether it's worthwhile to go to the trade But don't show. you think that the TAA, because of where it is in the time schedule, is a better opportunity for someone to go in and make a purchase? Right, because but you're, here's, but here's you're the problem. ready it's, to it's, ramp it's up. It's a closed group. The TAA only has certain members. Certain manufacturers are allowed to exhibit there. Certain retailers are allowed to, to actually go to that show. So it doesn't address the industry as a whole. And I'm not using this as a complaint against the TAA because the TAA is its own organization right. and they're self-funding and they should do what's in their own best interest. But at the same time, 
there is a lot of overlap over the years of who's on the TAA board and who's on the IPCBR board. Yeah. Okay, there just simply is. And, and, when and I'll have, tell you why there is, I have because people, there's only so many people stepping forward. I hear you. I, I did it twice because I was begged the second time to do it because people aren't stepping forward. And, and I've called people up and asked retailers, hey, I'm getting out of the IPCPR board. Somebody here in New England, please, somebody end up doing it to represent us to do it, and nobody's interested in doing it because it's a lot of work. Of course. It's a thankless job. Everything's yeah. a thankless job. Well, it's worse than a thankless <laughs> job. First off, it pays no money. It costs you money to do it. And then you're the person that they end up complaining. So you're, you're much like a politician, but you're not getting any back-end cash deals. or you know Nothing's happening. It's all, it's all negative. But it goes back to there is a certain cost to being a good cigar citizen in our ecosphere. Yeah. And I believe that there are enough people that feel that way. I mean, everybody wants all of these things to be successful. So you'd be awesome for IPCPR board. Are you interested in being, being part of that? I would love to be, but they'll never have me. I'm too opinionated. Which is, it's me too. And the first time You'd I went. You'd be the best one. First time I went in, I said, oh my God, this isn't going very well at all. And I couldn't believe when they asked me the second time to go in. Um, they, they like need, to have need... someone to vote against. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It just... I'll, I'll be the token black sheep. Since we, uh... And the same goes for TAA. I mean, you belong in but both, look, both TAA, of them. TAA, look, TAA was on the ropes, okay, a little yes. over a decade ago. Yes, it, it was. was a disaster. I mean, to say it was a cluster muck is really being kind. And you know what they and did? And they did. They, they, they said, okay, what are we going to do to dramatically change yeah. this? And they took the steps necessary to make dramatic changes. And as a result, they're now reaping the benefits. Yep. And that's my point. I don't know that my proposal is the right proposal. I have no idea. But I know something dramatic needs to be done for the long-term benefit of our industry. I would like to uh, talk about, uh, because we call ourselves the Cigar, cigar Authority. Yeah, let's <laughs> talk. Let's if we talk. could talk about the cigar for a little bit. Have you guys ever had cereal and used either heavy, cre heavy cream or whipping cream? And you pour that in instead of milk? Never did it, but All right. I'm it's interested. A, it's a party. As a you fat dude, I can't believe I haven't done that. Cocoa <laughs> Krispies with either heavy or whipping cream in, and it's the end of the box of so Cocoa Krispies. That'd be Krispies. more Count Chocola. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. But I, it's very chocolatey. So, so I got a little because I got a cappuccino thing, but I got black licorice. I am no black licorice. Black licorice. I got the black licorice. I'll give it to you. Yeah. Little, Thank you. And a little canal. Canal? Yeah, you know, the word I can't say. Cinnamon. There you go. I don't even know what canal is. It's a cinnamon. It's a French word for the word I can't pronounce. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a cinnamon. It's a cinnamon. Okay. So I see it's that. chocolatey too. as hell. There's no cinnamon whatsoever. There's no bite. It's very smooth. It's creamy. But a cappuccino could have chocolate yeah, and I, cinnamon I'm, on it. I, I'm, a, I'm on the chocolatey, earthy, you know, a little bit dirty in the finish kind of kick. That's where I'm at. That's why it's the end of the box. There's, yeah. there's more of the powder. Speaking of on. a cigar with kick, what about the firecracker? Well, we'll get to that after our break, and we'll find out that information when we get back. Also, who was hot, who was not at IPCPR? We got cigar news, and Mr. Jonathan's going to try to get Debonair. After spending a week with him in Las Vegas, I don't think it's working. We'll, we'll find out that. We're live from Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire, and you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Stepping into the aging room has
has a new meaning at Aging Room Cigars as Raphael Nodel has traveled to Spain, where the idea for Aging Room Solera was born. The Solera method of aging has been used for centuries in the making of wine, sherry, brandy, and rum. The method mixes different vintages, allowing them to age together. For Aging Room Solera, Raphael takes several tobacco vintages and puts them in bales where they age together for another 12 to 18 months. This allows the tobaccos to marry for a longer period of time. At the end of the aging process, Aging Room Solera becomes a balanced and complex cigar with a fantastic price point. Aging Room Solera. It will have you calling for an encore. In a time where humidors are overflowing and retailers' shelves are on the verge of buckling, there is one brand that stands out amongst the rest. Sereno Cigar Company offers four distinct blends. The Connecticut, the Medio, Maduro, and Maduro XX, all aged to perfection. Crafted at the La Corona Cigar Factory in Esteli, Nicaragua, each artfully crafted blend comes to life by the experienced hands of master blender Omar Gonzalez Aleman and industry veteran Anthony Sereno. To create this masterpiece, a combination of hand-selected filler tobaccos from the fertile soil of Estelian Jalapa are aged for over five years and then draped with a luxurious wrapper leaf to bring you an endlessly complex and majestic experience. A post-roll aging process of two additional years allows the blend to marry, creating unmistakable and ever-changing tasting notes that tantalize the palate, leaving you anticipating each and every drop. Visit SerenoCigars.com for a list of retailers, and you can always find Sereno Cigars available online at TwoGuysCigars.com. Sereno, a majestic cigar age to perfection. You've heard us talking before about the best cigar magazine in the world, Cigar Journal. You want to know what makes Cigar Journal the best cigar magazine? Cigar Journal covers every angle of the cigar world. From exclusive stories and features, insightful interviews with industry power players, detailed cigar reviews, and of course, all the latest news and reports surrounding premium cigars. We're telling you, you will be impressed. Cigar Journal has stunning images, explanations of cigar science basics. This is the magazine for any cigar enthusiast, or better yet, passionado. Cigar Journal covers cigars in the U.S. and around the world and is printed right here in the USA. You owe it to yourself to discover the world's best cigar magazine. Cigar Journal. Available at your local cigar retailer and on the web at their new website, CigarJournal.com. That's CigarJournal.com. Let me tell you a little bit about the Rocky Patel 15th Anniversary Cigar, or what they call the Three-Peat. Crafted in Rocky's boutique Nicaraguan factory, the 15th anniversary was released in 2010 to commemorate Rocky Patel's 15th year in the cigar industry, and it impressed right out of the gate. The Robusto and the Torpedo both scored 93 points in Cigar Aficionado, while the Toro and Corona Gorda both notched 92 points. The Rocky Patel 15th anniversary is a robust cigar with notes of toasted spice, roasted coffee, and almonds. Rocky Patel himself has referred to his 15th anniversary as the decade on steroids. The 15th anniversary has also been named to Cigar Aficionado's Top 25 Cigars of the Year list on three separate occasions. Rocky's only brand to accomplish the three-peat. Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary 
Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary. Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary. The La Galera Habano uses a classic wrapper on a staple cigar for a classy company. Hi there, this is David Garofalo of the Cigar Authority, and I want, no, no, I need to tell you about La Galera Habano. The La Galera Habano is an authentic cigar elaborated with the hands of the best cigar rollers of Tobacalera Palma in the Dominican Republic. Blended around an outstanding, flavorful Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, the Dominican-grown Corojo binder, and the filler made up of Peloto Cubano, Criollo 98, and Peloto Oro, creating a medium to full-bodied, attractively consistent, and aromatic smoke that envies no other. I love this cigar. Have you tried La Galera Habano yet? Well, what are you waiting for? Available at Better Cigar Shops worldwide is La Galera Habano. The wait is over. La Galera Habano. It was 2010 on my 50th birthday. Nick Perdomo from Perdomo Cigars showed up in my office and honored me with a gift. It was a box of cigars. But this box of cigars was not what I expected, one I never saw before, something without the Perdomo name on it. It was my name, Garofalo. Garofalo Cigars has my name on it, but it was blended and created by Perdomo as a gift, a gift of a brand of cigars. So what should you expect from a Garofalo cigar? Rich layers of complex flavors, but offered in a mild to medium body profile. A blend comprised of fine Cuban seed Nicaraguan tobaccos, including a triple fermented five-year aged Connecticut shade wrapper. I'm honored to have Garofalo, my name, surrounding such a wonderful cigar. I would be honored if you would give a Garofalo cigar a try. Garofalo Cigars, an honor. This yep. is the Cigar Authority. That's right. The authority. We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? On everything cigar. Got too far. In. There's too much to lose. And out of the cigar industry. Keep our composure. With your host, David Garofalo. On the count of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it. Just name it. Ready? One. Two, three. Velociraptor. Mr. Jonathan. You know what? I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Barry Stone. What an incredible Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere. A former gravekeeper now about to become the Masters Champion. It's time to light them up. Favorite non-pornographic magazine to masturbate to. It's time. Good housekeeping. For the Cigar Authority. Did we just become best friends? Yep. yep. And we are back with our number two, broadcasting live from the La Flor Dominicana Cigar Cigar Stage. we got cigar news, and we're going to light up something new from the IPCPR and talk about the new firecracker. Welcome back, everybody, to the Cigar Authority. And you're listening to the Cigar Authority podcast, broadcasting over eight years now, and now the longest continually running cigar podcast. Voted the Ambassadors of Cigars by Cigar Journal. Voted the Top 10 Educational Podcast by Podbean four years in a row. And now the most listened to cigar podcast in the world, Cigar Radio at its finest. The Cigar Authority is a proud member of the United Podcast Network. Catch the podcast on demand at any time or our daily blog on thecigarauthority.com. And something new from the IPCPR trade show. There was a lot of talk about this in advance of it. I don't know if you guys ever smoked a cigar yet. But we're going to smoke it now. Barry, tell us about it. Well, it's often been said that Sir Winston Churchill would spend time in the late hours behind closed doors working in solitude or with trusted colleagues. 
During these late hour moments, he was never without a cigar and often he was with an exceptional scotch. Davidoff brings together that moment with the Winston Churchill late hour. The late hour cigar has been to be enjoyed when the end of the evening is the start of something more, when thoughts and discussions weave interesting paths into the night. To reflect the darkness during which Sir Winston was his most creative, Davidoff has selected an oily Habano Ecuador wrapper. There are two Nicaraguan filler tobaccos grown in the rich volcanic soils of Condega and Esteli that add spiciness and a depth of character. In particular, the Nicaraguan Condega Visas tobacco is cask-aged in barrels, once used for single malt scotch, to bring a mysterious sweetness and fervency to the flavor. Together with two different Dominican tobaccos, a dark Mexican binder, the complexity of this full-body blend manifests many beautiful, robust flavors and aromas which capture the character of Sir Winston Churchill. It's available in three sizes. Today we are smoking the 5x52 Robusto, which, range, which has a price of $17.69. There's a Toro at 1929, and there's a Churchill at 2019, and the cigars are available now. So uh, this is a cigar that uses both two Dominicans and two Nicaraguan wrap uh, tobaccos. Yep. So here's a little of both right here. It's time to cut our cigar. The official cutting brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand. While all other brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. Excellence. Steve, you haven't had this before? No. First time. So that's good. You can pick up a little bit of that uh, scotch on the cold draw. There's some sweetness yep. in there from it. I taste it. I don't taste that at all. Before you lit it? No. Did you have a cold draw? Yes. Okay. I think. <laughs> see, you they, can, they can scroll back in the podcast and see if I did. I probably did. I'm terrible. And we're going to light our cigar today with the Vertigo Intimidator. In it's intimidating. Honor. Of our good friend Steve being on the show for the one millionth time. Yeah. <laughs> for free, I might add. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, it retails for twenty four ninety nine. It features four jets. It has a color-changing flame so you don't lose it in the bright sun. Or if you happen to be smoking in the wintertime with the white background, you can still see the flame. Easy adjustment at the bottom. And it does have the patented Vertigo big-ass tank. It's the Vertigo Intimidator for twenty four ninety nine. Okay. So, uh, so much to talk about at the IPCPR, but what I was uh, most happy about at IPCPR is cutting the deal that we had uh, everyone ask on the show, uh, who should we do the firecracker with, and I believe we had six different people. Steve, overwhelmingly, you won. You won by twice as much as whoever came in second. Because you got really smart customers. Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe it's subliminal that you've been on the show so damn many times. I don't know. There were a lot of IP addresses from up in your neck of the woods. <laughs> uh, but you agreed to do it, but we, we do not have uh, a blend or a price or Blend any. I have. You do have a blend. Yeah, blend is done. Done? Yeah. Do you have a brand name to attach to it? Yeah, I have a brand name to attach to it. Which one is it going to be? I'm not telling you. Ah! Yet. Are you serious? It's the only reason we had you on the show. The truth is, I don't even know if it's happening for two reasons. One, we haven't even talked about what you're willing to pay for the cigar. Wow. And I'm not a charity, so <laughs> i got no reason to make it. If well, you, you, do, you do have some sort of uh, thing going on with uh, the GoFundMe thing to buy uh, Skip Martin's watch. Yeah, that's, that's quite a deal. <laughs> So you do have some charity going on. Yeah, right. 
See, I don't know that. I haven't. Been, Let's uh, been do a GoFundMe to, yeah. to be able to afford soccer to be able to make the firecracker. <laughs> and then the other thing is we, we have some importation questions that still need to be resolved, courtesy of our friends at the FDA. Firecracker is a uh, predicated product. I, and I understand that, but it's, also, manufacturers, it's also a question of getting my TTD, TTB importer to agree. Everybody is being extra cautious, extra sensitive under the current scenario now. But we have, we have a little bit of time to work this out because, what, firecrackers are due when? June. Oh, so. Yeah, we'll, we'll worry about it. Hang on. Hang on a second. Yeah, May. I should have said May. April. <laughs> We're the guy that walked in one minute to 12. <laughs> right. <laughs> April. But the blend's done, so I'm, like, way ahead of the game. Yeah. Right? For, for a gringo, you have really <laughs> taken to that um, – Nicaraguan. Uh, that manana? Uh, yeah. <laughs> manana? Don't wait till the last second because it, it could be an issue going in anyway. Uh, but, um, you know, typically I like it to be on the fuller body because that's what's expected of a firecracker. Well, I would, that's a given. Just the name yeah. alone okay. tells you that it's got to be strong. But I wanted to help you drive people after they end up smoking this small format cigar to say, geez, I like it. <laughs> well, it I, I disagree. I disagree. We've had tremendous growth uh, with Skip Martin stuff, and now we're, we're, it's working on Fratello that people end up liking it, and then they end up uh. going to it. Uh, you know, or it's out of mind or, or things like that. But anyway, uh, so you, you're telling us nothing. You have nothing to share with us. But you did the blend. So tell us about the, the blend of the cigar. Can you let's, say let's, that? Let's work out the price first. <laughs> <laughs> he drives a hard friggin' bargain. Yes. I want to pay. You're uh, really uh, very rigid I, about certain things. Yeah, he is. I don't like, I don't like and you guys should know this. I'm, I'm not big on the, the pre-release hype thing. I just, I don't like You're it. You're not big on hype of any kind. I've seen you talk people <laughs> out of buying your cigars. Yes, yeah. I have. <laughs> I have. This is not right for you. I'm like, well, shaking my head, and I'm like, what is going on here? I actually had one retail I was doing at a vet, and he told me to just go sit down. Yeah. yeah. That was me. Yeah. That was me. I was in Phoenix. I was like, just go sit down. You're yeah. not helping. You're ruining the sale. You're, all, you're happy because we already bought the cigars from you, so now if we sell them, it doesn't matter. Uh. So, uh, what stood out at the show? And Steve, you didn't get to walk the show at yeah, all? Yeah, no, I, I never left my booth. And I did go to your booth, I believe, on maybe the second or third day. Yeah, uh, I'm and, sorry and, I didn't say hi. No, listen, you were busy, and I went by a couple of times, and I said, it's not going to lay up, and your son took care of us anyway, although I didn't get a sample of the new product. I have no idea, but I bought it anyway. <laughs> But, um, you know, I hear from, you know, lots of consumers telling me how great it was and everything, yeah. and I'm like, I didn't have one. Yeah. Yay! There you go, buddy. I was hoping. That was a little yeah. weasel move there, but I, I got it right here. Wow. You're, you're going to hate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I understand it's full body, <laughs> but, but it'll be interesting. So looking around, uh, and there was a lack of new cigars. Usually there's way more new cigars that are out there. Um, so that is the thing of FDA, right? That's what we expect. Next year should be even worse, and then the year after that should be none if it goes the way it's going. Uh, part of the whole cigar thing is... The new new stuff, I think that is, as Steve mentions, it's part of people not going to the show. That's going to end up hurting uh, new shows. But I did notice that the big brands, the big companies, although their boots may, may be smaller, more compact, they saved on it, their boots were jam-packed. 
now, each time I went by. I want to ask Steve this. How much of that is appearance because they bring a, an awful lot of staff with them? Well, So an empty booth still looks like it's half it's full. It's a combination of things. I mean, when you have 20 to 30 employees in the booth, the booth always has a certain amount of people in it. But I, I do believe that the big guys wrote orders at the trade they show. I don't, I don't doubt that. They were saying they did good. Again, they, they are, they're all lying and not telling the truth anyway. But just an appearance from the outside looking in. General Altada, Swisher looked like they were, they were happening. Uh, the hottest one I'd say there two years straight was Perdomo. Mm-hmm. What a booth. Amazing uh, what he did, and, and, and they were jam-packed at all times. Uh, Rocky Patel right beside them, jam-packed at all times. So I think the big is getting bigger. Uh, now, I, I heard a lot of complaints about those anchor booths all being together on one side of the trade show yeah, floor. Yeah, this is, this is an issue. I mean, listen, the big booths are the ones that are spending the big dollars. So, therefore, it's very hard for the IPCPR to say you can't be where you want to be. Um, me, I would love to see those big booths spread out throughout the trade show in much the old fall, mall format where you have the anchor stores kind of at the corners. They did that last because, year, didn't they? No, not no. really. They've never done it. Uh, Even you know, if they were in the second row straight across and that way you had a chance to put some smaller guys up front and give, give the small a guy a shot. I, I think it would be good, but the truth is the big guys don't want the small guys to have a shot, and they're the ones that are footing the bill. Right. So, I mean – it's a question of, you know, trying to satisfy your customers. But I think for overall, I think it would be better for the trade show if they were to spread those people out. At the same time, there's certain booths that retailers are going to go to regardless of where they are in the show. So yeah. I think the guys that get hurt the worst are really the unknowns. Is, and that's why they, they last one, one and a half years. I mean, and the unknowns out. really just. Uh, Do you think that if those booths, let's say Davidoff was put in the back corner and General's put in the other back corner and everybody was in the corner of the thing, do you think that they would actually not come to the show? Because, and no, leave all that go, money on the on the table? Or do you think they could be pushed around a little bit by the IPCPR and say, listen, we're helping you. You've got to help us. I think they could be pushed into that position because ultimately Give them an aisle nobody, for free. nobody is going to go to the trade show and not go to the Davidoff booth or the Drew Estate booth or the General right. booth, regardless of where it's physically located in the show. Because even in my case, people came to the podunky little Dumbarton <laughs> Tobacco and Trust booth that wanted to write orders with me. So I, I don't think that... I think it would behoove the little. I think it would behoove the little guys if they were to spread them out. I think it would help. How about anybody with a booth higher than seven feet tall needs to be on a wall, because they're blocking the guys behind them. Again, completely. that's part of the strategy too. These booths, they build these mega walls of China. Yeah. That basically, I felt bad for like Nicholas at Foundation. Yeah. He was behind this. Literally, this wall must have been 20, 25 feet yeah. tall. I mean, literally, you had no idea where his booth physically yeah. was. And when you so, got there, he had a nice little booth. He had a great booth. Yeah. Was, I think it won show best for small the booth. best midsize. Yeah. I think yeah. he won the midsize prize. And, I mean, he's got great products. So, I mean, there's, this is part and parcel of the problem. They worry so much, like, you know, to make the little guys – like in my case, I can't have anything higher than four foot, four foot, and then eight foot in the center. But yet these mega booths have these massive, literally, some of them, they're, they're seriously, they're, they would have made Trump proud, some of these yeah. ones. Some of uh, the standout things that I, that I noticed as I started seeing Coronas out there. 
small cigars, cigarillos, coronas, smaller things seem to be prevalent, especially Drew Estates. My yeah, God, they came I think Drew Estate, they're just, I mean, they're making so many of those uh, machine-made ones yeah. that they're now just adding machine-made tins for almost every brand they have. Yeah, yeah. I believe those are machine-made. Am I wrong? I don't want to I don't know. I don't, don't want to speak sure. and no, they, they had an awful lot of them. So, how many manufacturers come over to you with their samples and say, "I'd like you to smoke this"? Um, and tell me what you think. Typical show about. They don't ask for what I think because they know they're not going to like the answer. Mm. Um, but I'll, I'll typically twenty or thirty. Yeah. People will come over and bring off bring me cigars and. I try to reciprocate. It's one of the few times where we're all collectively together. Yeah. So it, it's nice. You know, we all, we all try to. One other thing I saw there was uh, a little poaching going on with manufacturers who didn't set up at the trade show, who was on the trade show floor, showing up at other people's trade show booths, actually poaching the customers and actually working. You know, I was in the receiving end of it. I, I had saw, to speak to somebody I myself. I saw a few retailers doing that, too that were uh, retailers that uh, didn't sign up for the IPCPR but wearing other people's badges. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's so low. You're talking $450, and you're part of the solution instead of part of the problem. How embarrassing getting caught doing it. It's terrible. Uh, Barry, what's up in the cigar world? It's time for What's What's Up up? in the Cigar World, brought to you by Recluse Cigars. You want to know what's up? Recluse Cigars is what's up. Voted the 2015 Cigar of the Year is the Recluse Amadeus Reserva Habano. Every Recluse cigar goes through eight, count them, eight fermentation cycles over the course of two full years. They are box-pressed and rolled end to bar for a perfect draw every time. If you haven't done it yet, be sure to try a Recluse cigar today. Last week, while you guys were at the 2017 IPCPR, Kenneth P. Newman was named the new president of the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retails Association. Newman will serve his two years as president, and he's been on the executive board since 2009. Uh, Just reported this week on June 3rd, a new world record was set during qualifications for the Cigar Smoking World Championship, which takes place in Split, Croatia on September 1st. The new record is three hours and 26 seconds, and it was set by Thomas Zodowitz of Warsaw, Poland, and he beat a record that was set two weeks prior in New York City at Club Macanudo. Well, I don't understand. What's the, what is he doing in three hours and some He's seconds? smoking a Corona Sai cigar and keeping it lit and smokable for three hours and 26 seconds. Are you kidding me? That's no. a world. That's something you try to achieve? Well, we tried to do it. We couldn't do it. We couldn't even get close. Uh, at the Senate Appropriations Committee hearing this week, Senator Marco Rubio, a Republican from Florida. It's a sport, by the way. And Joe Manchin, a Democrat from West Virginia, both testified. During the testimony, Rubio stated, the industry's future is at stake. I truly think it's a matter of fairness. It is not a product that either preys on, seeks to market to, or has a problem with underage use. While Manchin added, I'm all for curtailing addiction addiction to tobacco use, but you don't see kids going around smoking these fine cigars. It supports such a robust business. It does not add to any type of addiction or support any type of addiction. The testimony was in support of leaving an exemption for cigars in the 2018 agriculture budget. The FDA has claimed a victim in Barcelona Cigar Company, which has made the voyage at La Aurora. Danny Vasquez, the owner of Baracoa, shut down the company and stated, due to the unsure state of the looming FDA regulations, I've decided it is in the best interest for the company of his size 
to not move forward. And finally, the state of New Jersey has officially become the third state as we wait for the Oregon governor to sign their bill. And beginning November 1st, you will need to be 21 in the state of New Jersey to buy tobacco. And that's what's up in the cigar world. What's up in the cigar world was brought to you by Recluse Cigars. The Recluse Amadeus Habano Reserva uses grade A Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, a San Andreas binder, a Dominican Lajero Seco, and Pennsylvanian Broadleaf filler tobaccos, which create a blend we call the Cigar of the Year. Recluse Cigars is What's Up? Next week on the show, live in studio will be A.J. Fernandez. With him will be Adrian Acosta. He is the national sales guy for it, and he speaks bilingual. So, so he's going to be our translator. Bilingual. Yeah. <laughs> bilingual, you know, bilingual is, is actually it's a, language. a language. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he, he can uh, get in between. <laughs> A.J. started off really good. I talked to him for the first time at the show, and we did the you know, how you doing and all that stuff. Yeah. And then we got into talk and he was all done and they translated. Well, I'm going to warn you. Yeah. AJ understands more than you think. Really? Yes. Yeah, so be careful. Okay. Well, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't speak it back, but I have nothing bad to say. He's hot right now. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Uh, everybody's using them and uh, it's just amazing uh, uh, the amount of tobacco farms he has. And he's like the next oh, big thing. Yeah. He's growing tremendously. Uh, following week, August 5th, we have Rocky Patel on and, uh, uh, after that, Eric Hansen and uh, Julio Aroa, and there's lots and lots of people coming on, joining us on the Cigar Authority. Right now, it's time for the Don Raphael Offer of the Day. The Don Raphael Offer of the Day brought to you by Don Raphael Cigars. Everyone has a price. Would you do this, and if so, how much? And today, the offer is $10,000, a lot of money. But what you have to do is sing the national anthem at a filled arena. Here's my question. They've taken to putting it, the words up on the uh, Jumbotron. Okay. So that the person singing really doesn't doesn't mess it up. But he's going to have to look up. and Well, they, they just have it there as a reference point. Uh, so if that were the case, I would do it. You would sing it? I mean, I'm not a great singer by any stretch, but I would do it for ten grand. I'd have no issue. How about you, Steve Saka? I'm, I'm a horrific one. singer. I mean, horrific doesn't even come close to describing it. But for 10 Gs, absolutely. Really? Yeah. I would be so scared I could never pull yeah, that you off. You and me both. I can't even speak in front of four people. Forget uh, about 40,000. Two yeah. things I wouldn't do is sing in front of a large audience and also try to do a comedy routine. It's like, oh, my God, they're all watching every, every word you're saying. You're trying to be funny. You can't pull it off. You're trying to sing and entertain. You can't pull that off. Well, you're doing the national anthem. You're not there for entertainment. You're there the to national open anthem the... is a hard song. It's to very sing. hard, uh, and I'm not saying that I would nail oh, it. Oh, I would by go into stretch. it with the with the preconceived notion that this is going to be the absolute worst yeah, rendition. I'd, of I'd the get a million anthem. hits on YouTube because yeah. it would be <laughs> terrible. Yeah, Roseanne Barr, remember Roseanne Barr singing the national anthem? Yes. Very bad. I Probably didn't that. help her career. <laughs> Ten thousand isn't enough, I say. But we gotta we gotta. Yeah, speak. but you donate the money to charity, so then yeah. Yeah, you, you, you could work it out. Yeah. I ain't donating the money to anything. It's going right into my bank account, standing in front of 10,000 people. Oh, my God. I couldn't pull it Bring off. Bring it on, baby. So we're smoking the Davidoff um, Winston Churchill, the late hour, meaning the last cigar he would smoke while everybody else was sleeping. It's a heavier. You'd never, if you had this without a band on it, you would never think Davidoff, right? You wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, 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 I am picking up, and maybe it's subliminal, but 
I like Glenn Levitt, the scotch. We had it on the show before. Yeah. And at the end, when that, when that scotch finishes, it leaves you with a very sweet note on your palate. And that's what's going on here on the finish. The smoke has a little pepper and spice to it. But once that subsides, you're left with this sweet coating on your tongue. I dig it. I'm going to say you're wrong because Glenn Fittich just came out with a new scotch called the uh, IPA. And it's aged in India Pale Ale casks. And I think it would pair phenomenally with this cigar. So you were close. You just want to drink during the show. <laughs> but you didn't get it. I can understand that perspective, though. Yeah. <laughs> he just wants to drink, period. <laughs> so you, as a cigar blender yourself, what, what um, do you got here? No, skip me. Skip over? You got nothing good to say? No, I don't have anything bad to say either. Um, look, I, I think it's worth trying. I'll give it that. I mean... That's almost as good as the compliment you gave me when you told me Kilo didn't suck. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than Kilo. Okay. That's oh, wow. Um, but, no, I, I don't, I, you know, we had a real, in the beginning, that first half inch, it had a lot more body and a lot more pepper. And once I've gotten into about an inch, an inch and a half of it, it's kind of mellowed out. So That's what I like on, about it. Right. That's, so, yeah. again, it's a matter of perspective. It's subjective, So, for right? you... You find that to be a good thing. For me, I kind of wish it had kept the steam going more. Now, the question is, is it going to pick back up by the band? I don't ultimately know whether it will or it won't. I mean, it's a beautifully constructed cigar. Seems to me when you pair something, you want it kind of in the mellow. So the two work hand in hand. And for me, the cigar was created... Because he enjoyed a good cigar and he enjoyed a good scotch. Yeah, but to so me, you want I, find, to pair I find that all to be marketing fluff. Who knows what he actually smoked? And yeah, I don't, I don't find pairing alcohol with cigars is a good pairing. You're drinking alcohol because you want the effects of the alcohol, and you're smoking a cigar because you like the way a cigar tastes. The two go together. The alcohol washes out the flavor of the cigar every well, single only time. Only if you're doing it in excess. If you're doing one glass on the back deck or wherever you choose to drink. What was the smoke? last time you had one of anything? Touche. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got me there. <laughs> I mean, I love the draw. I love the way the smoke is pulling through it. Yeah. I mean, it's got an incredibly clean burn. The mascara line is really, really tight. I mean, it has some interesting flavors. I mean, and you are right. It isn't your prototypical classic yeah. Davidoff-type flavor when, profile. When they originally gave me a sample of it, they said, we don't think you're going to like this. And I actually like it very much. I like yeah, it Yeah, but it's not, it's not that strong. Yeah. So I wouldn't. I would put it medium. I mean, that yeah. initial bit in the beginning. Yeah, and that's what scares you off a little bit. But, I mean, and the other thing, too, is, I mean, obviously the wrapper color kind of makes it look like it's going to be really strong. But this one isn't super strong yet. Again, I don't know how it's going to finish by the end. So, I mean, it may pick up a lot of octane, but it's definitely a, a beautifully made, well-constructed cigar. Well, we're going to find out after. And boy, break. they don't give it away. What was those prices? You're looking at 18 the, bucks. Yeah, 17. It's Davidoff. 89 to 2019. Man, I got well, it. it's Winston Churchill. It's still no, I don't even think. It. Don't say I can raise my prices. I know what's going on no. in the no. right Zip now. It over That's there. not what I was saying. Yeah. I wasn't thinking that at all. Okay. Trying to read your mind. That's <laughs> crazy person I am. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, gentlemen, Jonathan... I think <laughs> not. <laughs> Almost said it. Um, in a classic three-way, and uh, we got some letters in the mailbag, and we're going to finish off this Davidoff Winston Churchill, the late hour. I like it. I like it. We'll I like be back it in minutes.
Smokey Joe's is changing the dress code when it comes to enjoying a premium handmade cigar. Using the finest materials of velvet and silk, their smoking jackets are made for a lasting impression. Smokey Joe's has fitted the likes of Smokey Robinson, James Brown, Sammy Davis Jr., and now they want to fit you too with a smoking jacket. Proudly designed and manufactured in the USA, Smokey Joe's invites you to feel the inspiration of fashion from an era where clothing was designed using only the finest materials and craftsmanship. Smokey Joe's clothing continues to be a story of America at its best. Innovation, hard work, and fearless enterprise. When you light up the best, smoke it while wearing the best. Smoking Joe's Smoking Jackets. Available at SmokeyJoe'sClothing.com That's SmokeyJoe'sClothing.com Be sure to tell them the Cigar Authority sent you. Let's talk a little about Rough Rider Cigars. So here is where the motorcycle culture meets Cigar Nation. This badass looking cigar uses the name Rough, but delivers a smooth as silk ride each and every time. Even before lighting one, you can't help but notice it's sweet like honey flavor. Smooth and creamy, resembling slightly sweetened butter. Outstanding! The Rough Rider Cigar is so beautiful in so many ways. We're talking a premium cigar, imported, long filler cigar, but wait till you hear the price. Every cigar is in the $3 price range, that's right. Even the Churchill in the 6x60, every cigar is in the $3 price range. Rough Rider Cigars, there's nothing rough about Rough Rider except the name. Rough Rider Cigars. The following message is brought to you by Drew Estate. Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars in the new Drew Diplomat app. Join me, Barry Stein, from the Cigar Authority on Drew Diplomat. As you know, I am quite partial to Liga Pavada number 9 from Drew Estate. So join me for a Liga and share your experience with Drew Estate. And while you're at it, don't forget to check into Two Guys Smoke Shop on the Drew Diplomat app. Drew Diplomat is now available for the iPhone and Android. To learn more about Drew Diplomat, visit DrewDiplomat.com. That's DrewDiplomat.com. You must be at least 21 years of age or older and a resident of the United States, including D.C. To be eligible for membership in this program, other terms and conditions apply. Surgeon General warning, cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Founded in 1989 by Mariana and Nestor Miranda, Miami Cigar & Company proudly celebrates their 25th anniversary with the release of their flagship brand, the Nestor Miranda Collection. Made in Esteli, Nicaragua by Don Pepin Garcia, the collection is available in three distinct wrappers aimed to please even the toughest critic. Nestor Miranda Collection. You only get one life. How will you live yours? Jose Dominguez, Jose Dominguez, Jose, Jose, Jose Dominguez. What the hell are you doing? I'm writing a commercial for Jose Dominguez. Well, what you should be doing is talking about how good they are. That Jose Dominguez makes millions of cigars for other people, but saves the best tobaccos and the best blend for his namesake. Jose Dominguez, not singing a song, if that's what you think you're doing. What I am doing is creating what is known as a donut. Hey, 
Nobody's going to take away your donuts. No, a donut in a commercial is when it starts with a jingle and then the information comes in and then ends with the song again. The information is the filling of the donut. Why does everything you talk about have to center around food and usually donuts? I don't know. Listen, Jose Dominguez cigars come in four great sizes and two wrappers. The mild, buttery, smooth, natural, and the slightly bolder Maduro. And every cigar is about $5. You know as well as I do, Dave, Jose Dominguez is no $5 cigar. It's worth so much more, it's a sensational value. Okay, here's the end of the donut. You ready? Jose Dominguez. Jose Dominguez. Jose Dominguez. In 1848, in honor of the English poet Lord Byron, a cigar brand named Byron was first created. Through three centuries, Byron has gone through many hands, but today it is back with the family that first created them. Returning to the early days, now the brand, in a very limited quantity, is produced in a small factory in Costa Rica. Nelson Alfonso offers three Byron blends honoring all three centuries of Byron, Siglo 19, Siglo 20, and Siglo 21. Other cigars sit in an aging room for 60 days, but every Byron cigar sits in an aging room for a period of at least one full year, then and only then into ultra-luxurious porcelain jars and state-of-the-art cigar humitubes packaging. Sure, Byron's packaging is unique and costly to produce, but nothing else will do for a cigar of this quality and taste. Byron Cigars. Cigars of poetry. Sophisticated. Byron. Hi, this is Nick Perdomo. Hi, this is Nicholas Perdomo Jr. From Perdomo Cigars, and you're listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. And we are back, broadcasting live from the La Flor Dominicana Cigar Set. Gentleman Jonathan is going to do it debonair style. Barry's going to get into the asylum, and we got a classic three-way coming up. We're smoking the Davidoff Winston Churchill, the late hour. Aaron from the Ashholes, if you've never heard the Ashhole podcast, it's a Wednesday podcast. You can find it on the... Um, United Podcast Network, uh, give it a listen to, but he was mentioning to me that um, a flavor component that he had, I think he hit the nail on the head, if you remember, the Raisin Raisin Toast. I'll tell you one thing that's really neat about this. You know how much oil is being expressed out of the wrapper as you smoke it? That's always a really good sign. Yeah? I like seeing that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's clean. Um, you know, heavier-bodied cigars, and I'd put this up towards heavy. You're saying medium to full. For Davidoff, certainly for Davidoff, full. It's, it's fuller. But yeah, for Davidoff, it's heavy. But yeah, it's Dominican I think, full. I think it's medium, personally. Yeah. Uh, I have no problem with, with the strength of it because it's uh, well-aged, clean, whatever. It's yeah. not giving me the jitters or anything like that. Uh, very nice. Um, so trick-or-treating at IPCPR, you have your stuff kind of tucked away that people can't go up and grab? Yeah, we, we, we hand out the samples individually to yeah. everybody that comes in the booth. I think a lot of people uh, took to that because uh, you didn't see a lot of it going on. I did actually walk up to somebody. I saw somebody digging in a bowl, just keep filling their thing up, and I'm watching the guy with a, with a big bag continue to throw, throw the cigars in there, and I'm like, What? And I got angry, and I walked away from the person I was talking to to go over there and say, are you kidding me what you're doing? And there on the other side of the wall was the guy he was talking to from the company standing there watching him do it, apparently okay with it. Crazy. 
crazy. But I find uh, those people are very few. And far yeah, it, it certainly was. It was once in a while, but it, it, back in the day, man, that was a, a go-to move that a lot of people uh, were doing, and it's embarrassing to the whole industry. Please don't do that. Um, you ask if you can get a sample, and when I say a sample, uh, a sample is all you need, right? You're going to decide if you like it or not to make the purchase. No need to pile up. Um, Barry was mentioning to me some of these guys uh, online. With yeah, some of the Facebook group people were there. You know, I saw somebody with a, uh, a red bag filled with bundles. I've seen auctions online from some cigars that aren't even out yet that were obviously from the trade show. Terrible. Uh, even some retailers doing five packs of yeah, existing you, cigars don't and know, throwing in samples. First off, the reselling of them is bad, but what you don't know is you get to the end of the trade show and you have seven bundles of cigars left that were meant to be given as samples. You might just hand that to somebody and let them enjoy it and smoke it because it isn't worth you packing it and shipping sure. it back home and this and that. So you, you got to kind of look at it all with a bit of a grain of but salt. But to, to go online and to, to, to a consumer, first off, consumers aren't supposed to be there anyway, and then the consumer goes on and sells the cigars. Um, you don't have a tobacco license. I mean, there's lots of wrong things yep. it goes around, but there's nobody but stopping But again, you're, you're focusing on the... Very few. Very, very few. Absolutely true. So I don't, I don't think it's worth tarnishing. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, I, I expected a lot more bitching here going, so I'm trying to throw some stuff in here. <laughs> See, yeah. I'm the Who reasonable are you? one. Hey, Who are you? Are? What have you done with Steve Saka? <laughs> that's what happens. I get beat down. Ten days of IPCBR, and I'm just worn out. I'm going to have to get you the day after because you were pretty angry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Would you have breakfast this morning? Really? What's going on? Really? What Get, getting back into it. And all of us. I mean, it probably takes a week to come out of this. Yeah, I'm still not fully recovered. It's unbelievable. It is a lot of work. Well, look, I haven't shaved. I mean, I, yeah? I, I rolled out of bed to be here. Oh my God. And just <laughs> we made we it. appreciate it. And just made it. <laughs> right now, it's time to take a peek into the asylum from our friends at Asylum Cigars. They're coming to take me away, ha-ha, they're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha, to the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time, and I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats, and they're coming to take me away, ha-ha! It's time for news from the Insane Asylum, odd and sometimes historic news stories that are too insane to be true, or are they? Brought to you by Asylum Cigars, Take No Prisoners. Asylum Cigars are truly flavorful, medium-bodied Nicaraguan cigars with sizes ranging from 4x44 to the absolutely insane 8x80 Asylum Cigars. Dave, as you get ready to open Studio 21 Podcast Cafe in the coming weeks, I have a business idea for you. Oh, give it to me. You've heard of happy endings at seedy underground massage parlors? I don't like where this is going. Now get ready for <laughs> hummers at coffee shops. Uh, yep, it's a real thing. At the end of the year, a new coffee shop called Felicio Cafe oh, no. will open in Geneva, Switzerland, where you can get a hot cup of joe with a side of Felicio. Now, I don't know about you, but when Mr. Jonathan orders a cup with extra cream, what will oh, he be implying? God. The firm behind the Swiss Cafe says customers will be able to order coffee, then select a sex worker of their choice from an iPad to perform the sexual act. You sure as hell can't do that at Starbucks. And just how much will the sexual service set you back? I'm done. 60 Swiss <laughs> or about $50, plus five for the coffee, as this is a business after all, but still not bad for some caffeinated afternoon delight. 
According to Swiss newspaper Le Matin, the idea for the cafe is based on a similar establishment in Thailand that will have customers' orders filled faster than they could say, large iced coffee, please. In five or ten minutes, it's all over, and <clears throat> the service at Felicio Cafe is orgasmic. That's not only insane... <laughs> It's asylum. Steve, you can take your headphones off, but you can still hear him. He's right next to you. (laughs) True story, huh? True story. Where is it? Uh, Geneva, Switzerland. Oh, my God. That's where our friends from Davidoff are. Oh, my goodness. Unreal. Well, well, some of the small guys uh, had actually really good shows, um, you know, going by the booth and looking at it, asking them if they were. One of them was CLE, uh, Christian Aro and Tom Lazuka. They seemed packed all the time. They were giving away raffles and stuff uh, each day. Um, and his brother, Julio Aroa, with their own separate booth, uh, JRE, they seemed uh, busy. Nick Malillo, your buddy there, yeah. he, he looked like he was going, even though he was behind that big giant wall. Was always busy, always happening over there, uh, as you were, Steve. Uh, Warp Cigars, Cornelius and Anthony, um, they were busy. Placencia. Rocking. You, you yeah. see Placencia's new booth? I didn't see it because, yeah. I, again, I didn't get out my Their booth. boxes are pretty cool because the lid turns over and it's an ashtray complete with cutouts for the cigars. They, and they were so busy and they weren't far from where you were, right. Jonathan. Mm. Uh, I went a few different times, just could not get a hold of somebody. Three and a half days, frankly, for somebody like me, I'm, I'm doing a lot of buying when I'm there, is not enough. You know, and, and I got like five minutes or so, ten minutes waiting in a booth, and at that point I'm going to move on to the next booth and hit them on the way back, try it again, and then, you know, try to get them at the very end, and I never got back. Yeah, to end that's, up. that's a problem. I, I, don't, I haven't quite figured out the right staffing level from my yeah. own perspective. I, I really need to have another person or two. Yeah. Um, Ted Cigar, the infused guy, um, with the cigars in the tube, uh-huh. jam-packed, gigantic yeah. booth. Uh, he seemed to be coming alive. He did the Trump cigar, didn't he? He did, yep. yeah. So uh, those are the ones I thought that, that seemed to be hot uh, at the show. And uh, as far as lots of people all the time, try, you know, just keep trying to go over there and just uh, seem to be busy. Uh, of, and people I didn't expect to be busy. You're saying uh, you didn't expect me to be busy? What are you saying? Not <laughs> to the point that I didn't get to see you in three and a half days. And say anything. I, I saw you going to dinner. That's where I saw you going. Speaking yeah. of which, good food? Yeah, I would agree. You, you got good places? Yeah, we ate at some crappy places and some good places. Yeah. Yeah, that umami burger at SLS. Did you do it? Don't do it. Really? So yeah, it was like Cindy and I, 120 bucks, two burgers, a pretzel, a draft beer each. And it was, honestly, I actually liked the burger at the convention service. plays better. Well, that Unami <laughs> wasn't even a hamburger, right? It was no meat. No, 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 no. It was, it was a hamburger. Oh, they really? Had, they, they had, had a vegetarian no option, oh. but they had they That's had why I stayed away. No, no, no. Because I thought it was well, just... Well, you, you saved yourself at least $100 not walking in that joint. Really? So, yeah. Okay. And I had a crew with me, so it's I'll not tell you where we ate that was really good. We ate at a new restaurant in Venetia called Venetian called Chica's. And it was kind of a it was kind of a blend of Mexican and Argentinian and Peruvian. And it wasn't like a, a mashup uh, I can't think of the right word. What do they call that when they take Fusion? Fusion. It wasn't okay. a fusion restaurant. It was really just individual dishes okay. from those various countries. And it was really it was a really great meal. The north side place was <laughs> yeah, uh, this place it was a Chinese food place that specialized in Mexican themed breakfast. And then they had regular American food at lunchtime and you could start ordering some Chinese dishes and at nighttime it was a full on Chinese restaurant. But you could order anything off the Mexican breakfast menu or 
The lunchtime American <clears throat> menu, very odd. Yeah, it was, and service was very slow. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we go there for breakfast right. before we're ready to run, and it's like, oh, my God. People walking out and say, don't even bother. It's, you're going to be now here we ate at an authentic Korean barbecue off the strip called Hobox, and that was excellent. I heard that uh, place was phenomenal. It was really good. Highly recommended. Yeah. Food there is good. Yeah. It's going to cost you, though, for sure. While you're enjoying life till its fullest, it's important to be debonair. How to be more debonair and gentlemanlike is Gentleman Chuck Morrison. Gentleman Chuck Jonathan. Gentleman Jonathan. <laughs> you need a gentleman. I miss you, Chuck. Uh, I miss you. Gentleman. I'm a gentleman. You need a gentleman? <laughs> you wouldn't want to call me gentleman. Ladies, fasten your seatbelts. Switch on your electronic devices. And pop up the volume. You need a gentleman? And The Gentleman's Way is brought to you by Debonair Cigars and Rum. Debonair Cigars provide their clients with suspension of reality. Time, smoking a, time spent smoking a debonair can never be subtracted from one's life. Gentlemen, being the customer is not a free pass out of Debonairville. Anybody can be debonair when the situation is easy, but the true test of your nature will be adversity. When making a return to the department store, it is important to keep in mind that the person behind the counter doesn't want to give you the bad news that you can't return an item out of spite any more than you want to hear it. Keep calm. Well before you're ready to escalate your tone, you should escalate to management. These poor people didn't write the corporate policy, and by taking your day out on them, you will find that any chance you had for getting what you want will quickly slip away. If you are nice, you have the best shot of winning them over and having everyone's day end better than it started. And that is the gentleman's way. The question is, are you debonair or not? I am not. Nor am I. I will tell because you Because who are you going to complain to? You have a complaint. I'm going to tell a story. Yep. We had somebody order, mail order, yep. with a phone number from one state, their billing address in another state, and they were shipping to a third state. So I called. Red flag. So I called to verify that this person was who he was, and he's like, "Why are you wasting my effing time? Just do your effing job and send me my effing cigars." No extra cigars in that box, huh? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I'm looking out for your best interest, possibly. Right. He should have said, "Geez, thank you yep. for seeing that." It's like when somebody writes on the back of a credit card, "Show ID." Right. So the guy comes in. He making his purchase and then he gives you the card and you're getting ready to swipe it it says show id and i say can i see your ids what do you need my id for and i show him you're asking me to, to see it you put mm -hmm. it there for protection you didn't sign the back of it you said show id mm -hmm. and he's like oh and he's all huffy about it and i'm like okay whatever so it's it's tough it's tough to be debonair you know, yeah it's it tough is. to be debonair yeah so uh, and I saw Phil Zangi at the Drew Estate booth. He was rocking and rolling. Who is always debonair. Yeah, he always is. Um, okay, you got something in the mailbag, Mr. J? Yeah. And the following message was submitted through the Contact Us page of thecigarauthority.com. And Jason writes, uh, he's from Montana. I am both a Cigar Authority viewer as well as, fortunately, a recent subscriber to the Cigar of the Month Club. I would consider myself a cigar novice smoker having transitioned from smoking a tobacco pipe for the last 25 years and the last five years find myself enjoying cigars more frequently. Humor me, if you will, and help with these three questions. Cigar cutting. What are your thoughts on the benefits or drawbacks of using a punch or a V-cut as compared to a traditional circumcision of the head? 
Open it up so you can taste the taste, right? Instead I would say a hole? Uh, that a hole punch does have its uh, benefits. If you have, uh, if you're a fuller-bodied cigar smoker and you're used to lots of flavor, and someone gifts you a box of very mild cigars, you could hole punch them and intensify the flavor and maybe be able to enjoy that mild cigar more. But uh, mm. I think I'm that, not buying this at all. No, I think no. that a, a manufacturer intends on you to open the cigar up all the way. I think and that's opening the, way the head as get. wide as possible is ultimately the best. The downside to using a punch cut is you're limiting the airflow. The problem also with a punch and a V cut potentially is oftentimes they're not sharp enough and they tend to compress the tobaccos, which can also inhibit the airflow. I mean, if you have a really good sharp punch and you're using it on a smaller ring gauge cigar, it works well. If you have a V cutter, it can work well, but you have to have a good V cutter. Like There's the only Lotus Jaws V Lotus cutter. Right. The Lotus Jaws is a very good one, yeah. but most of them really, they just, I think they mangle the heads more than they help. So. Uh, also, lighting, benefits or drawbacks on a soft flame, matches or lighter versus the torch-style lighter. Torch, the best thing that ever happened to a lighter, right? To, For to flames. Definitely. Yeah, Pinpoint I mean, look, accuracy, easy to light up on windy conditions. Just it's, There's so many benefits to a torch versus a flame. And I'll go the other way on this one, too. depends on the cigar. And a really mild cigar, you can sometimes over burn the ends of it mm. you can kind of make it accurate right from the beginning but you can achieve the same thing using a torch lighter by not actually applying the torch but actually taking the torch and just using the heated air above the torch like this is going to light your cigar very delicately right. so the in the end the torch is by far the better in my for opinion. those of you listening the fire should his, right the fire should never flame. touch yeah, the tobacco you, just, you end up doing this and it will light the cigar see you could already start to see it's kind of cherrying yeah. up there even though i'm not even touching the flame to the cigar and there's an old lighter you got there yeah that has gone that was the first one right it was the very first very one. first torch. torch style lighters what was it called it's a blazer, blazer, PD2 yeah, or which actually got its start in the uh, jewelry industry. From yeah, Mel's. It was, it was really, it was a hardware tool. Yeah, from was Germany, ever, right? Um, I don't know where they were manufactured. Yeah, it was a German. Uh, and for the uh, Cigar Authority care package, why don't you include a small humidification device in the package? I would be willing to pay an extra dollar a month for the pack uh, if cost is an issue. And such practices are standard with every other mail order service I've tried. Thank you for all you do. The care, uh, Cigar Authority Care Package Club is awesome, and I've learned a ton from the best cigar resource I've found. You are the authority, and that's Jason. Okay, humidity into the bag. So four cigars. We well, you can money on. when you you know the order is uh, is coming. You certainly can request a a water pillow be tossed in there, and we'll charge you ninety nine cents, and you'll be all set. Yeah. It's a thought. Okay, let's let's squeeze it in. <laughs> that went over like a lead yeah. balloon. <laughs> Can, can I have can I have more for my twenty dollars? Is how I took that, but that would be undebonair of myself. That's not very debonair. <laughs> yes, he's trying what, to help. What do you think of those bags? Those humi humidified bags that has that thin mylar film in the inside. And they appear functional. Yeah, I mean, they're they're costly. Yeah, they're expensive to do. I, I again, it's always like I know you hate to think about this, but like you said, I mean, doesn't sound like a big deal, but. A dollar extra per bag. How thousand, many people are in your club? A thousand people. So that's $1,000 every month. That's 12000 at the yeah. end of the year. It adds up pretty quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and, you know, it's a bad business decision to keep adding to it, but we'll, we'll, we'll uh, put that into consideration, I guess, is the debonair way to say that. Right I think now, you should pay the manufacturers more for the cigars in the bag. There we go. That's okay. what I, I like that idea personally. All right. <laughs> this classic day in classic history is brought to you by Classic Cigars. You've heard of 
epic rap battles. But now it's time for the epic battle. Wow, it's kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. For this day, tell anyone about this, I'll kill you. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. In classic history, is looking at you, kid. Brought to you by Classic Cigars. Nervous? Yes. All classic cigars are handmade and imported from the Dominican Republic, and every cigar is priced under, get this, under $3 per cigar. You like that, baby? Let him know where I came from, yeah! Choose any blend, including the classic Connecticut for its mild and smooth taste, the classic Maduro for its bold and spicy flavor, or the classic Cuban for its sweet, sun-grown, and nutty overtones. That's- Undertones, you idiot! Whichever classic you choose, it's a classic cigar. Available at twoguyscigars.com. That's twoguyscigars.com. Celebrate today with a classic cigar. Do we have a champion yet? It's me, Jew. Mr. Jonathan's our champion. Steve, you remember how to play this closest without going over? Actually, it's Christian Aroa. Actually, I remember how to lose at this game, yes. Yes. Yeah, Christian Aroa did it last week on the show, and he ended up winning. He didn't beat me, so he's not the champion. No, I think he's a champion. That's not very debonair. He just chose not to play last week. By the way, the sweetness is really kicking up in this Davidoff towards the end. Okay, so today is July 22nd. It's David Spade's birthday. David Spade, TV actor, former cast member of the popular show Saturday Night Live, who also starred in Joe Dirt, Tommy Boy, Benchwarmers, Grown Ups, and Black Sheep. He voices the character of Griffin in Hotel Transylvania films before fame. He was a busboy and a valet and a skee-ball champion competitor. David Spade, born today what year? 1970. 1970, Steve. 1967. 67. 1964. 64. Somebody got two points. Barry Stein, 64. Ooh, wow. Two points exact. And over to you, Steve. Alex Trebek. Game show host, longtime host of TV's Jeopardy quiz show. He's also hosted popular shows such as Double Deer, Pitfall, High Rollers. He's from Canada, and he knows ba- he knows Rudy. Born today, Alex Trebek. What year? 1949. 49. 1944. 44. 1950. 50. Everybody is over. 1940. Wow. wow looks great, great for, for him. Age. Yeah, still out there. And over to you, Barry. This is... Uh, Danny Glover, longtime actor who starred in Detective Roger Murdoch in the Lethal Weapon film. Murtaugh. In the Lethal Films, Lethal Weapon films alongside Mel Gibson. He also played leading roles in films such as Witness, Saw, Predator 2, and Angels in the Outfield. David Glover, Danny Glover, born today, what year? He's probably older than he ha- looks older than he actually is, but I'm going to say 1939. 39. 45. 45. Hmm, I'm going to go 1940. 1940, it's 46. Boom. That goes to Mr. Jonathan for one point. And we just have one left. Mr. Jonathan, you need a point, Steve. I'm two a loser. Points, two points for a, uh, an exact. And this one, uh, I don't know if you know him, but um, Dean Martin. Dean Martin, my dog. Not Dean Martin, the singer. Dean Martin, my dog. He what? listens to the show every week. Dean Martin. My dog, Chocolate Lab, born today, household of the Garofalos, my buddy, my pal, Dean Martin, born today, what year? This is totally ridiculous. This is the last one. (laughs) So's the whole show, Steve, if you haven't noticed. (laughs) 
This goes to Mr. Jonathan, right? No, it goes to Steve Saka. Steve, Steve Saka. Oh, really? Yeah. No, 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 no. This is yours. No, I, I just went. No, no, no. Barry was first last time. I was last. Trust me. Yeah, remember he did the prices right thing to me. Yes, I did the prices right to him. So I went first. Yours. He went second. You went third. Oh, I dude, guess it's it your pick. All right, 2008. 2008. Oh boy, I'm gonna go 2004. 2004. I'm gonna go 2002. 2002, and on. Steve gets a point. It's 2004. It was 2005. Uh, 12 years old today. Dean Martin. Happy birthday, Deanie. Yeah. He's listening. <laughs> and this classic day in classic history was brought to you by Classic Cigars. And announce who the winner is. That's Barry the, Stein. Barry Stein <laughs> is the winner. Barry Stein. Man, no credit, dude. Uh, story of my life. <laughs> Nobody likes a fat kid. Oh, man. So in my hotel room, we have just a minute or so to go. Um, you know, we, we bought a dozen donuts for all our um, advertisers. We brought them there. How much was a dozen donuts for me to buy at the trade show? I bought them in Vegas. I bought 15 dozen. How much per dozen were they? $65 a dozen. No, they were 30 bucks. But wow. it cost $40 to bring them into the convention hall per dozen. More right. than the cost of the donuts themselves. Cost none. I smuggled them in smuggled my suitcase. Um, but looking at my mini bar... A small bottle of Red Bull, how much in the mini bar? $14. 12 15 7 And I thought it was outrageous. A nip of vodka was Grey Goose, one nip. $12. I'm 11 $18. 11 bucks. Yeah. Bottle of Evian, water. 6 bucks. Six. 7 Which Evian, spelled backwards, is naive. naive. Yes. And We're all be- aware of that. And it was $9 for a bottle of water. And let me tell you, you have to go for it because it's so dry. $9 First thing I always do is tell them that I'm insulin dependent and I need a fridge in my room. Really? It's the first thing I do when I check into Vegas. Good call. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> choked up. <laughs> you call well, on the front desk, you say, I'm insulin dependent and I need to refrigerate my insulin. They bring you a refrigerator, then I stock it with my own water for Good? the week. Good point. <laughs> That is going to be used. If I don't do that, I have to start charging 20 bucks for a cigar. <laughs> there we go. Snickers bar. How much for a Snickers bar? Four bucks. Oh, not even close. Snickers bar's got to be $11, $7, $8. $8, burger. exactly. $8. How about a condom? <laughs> they had condoms in the room? Condom 22. In the room. 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask if it was Magnum or not. 20 bucks in yeah. the hotel room was $79. Crazy. But look at it. It's highway robbery is what it is. <laughs> Davidoff, Winston Churchill, late hour, last thoughts? Very good. I like it. It's absolutely worth smoking. Yeah, I gonna, like how the sweetness is picking I'm up I'm going to buy end. another one, pick up a bottle of that Glenn Fittich in the Impala. Try with you. And I'm going to do that when do I get with home. Your, your pairing with your new um, podcast of food. You're gonna, I, I might do it. You, you might be do it. okay. I think he, I'm going to do it. He's going to do a, a liquor. The liquor authority. What's the over and under and how long it lasts? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that goes, but... <laughs> We'll see what happens there. Next week, Adrian Acosta is the national sales manager for A.J. Fernandez. He will act as the interpreter because A.J. Fernandez joins us live in studio for a very special interview. Until then, you've been listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. And whether you're smoking your Mikarita or your Davidoff Winston Churchill, the late hour, always remember to keep the lid end out of your mouth.
This is Pat Whitley. Can I have your attention for a second? I want to tell you about a fellow named Dave and the fact I have been buying my cigars from him since 1985 when they first opened up. Two Guys Smoke Shop. Now, Two Guys Smoke Shop have three convenient locations right over the Massachusetts border in tax-free New Hampshire. Now, here's something I bet you didn't know. Two Guys Smoke Shop is America's largest cigar shop and has the largest inventory of cigars anywhere. Wait till you see this place. You're not going to believe it, all right? Now, if you like cigars, you can't find a better place to buy them than at Two Guys Smoke Shop. They're in Salem, New Hampshire, Seabrook, New Hampshire, and their new location in tax-free Nashua, New Hampshire. It is worth the ride. You can call 888-2-CIGAR-2. That's 888-2-CIGAR-2 or on the web at twoguyssmokeshop.com. The best place to buy cigars anywhere is Two Guys Smoke Shop. It's Stogie Heaven. 